The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Cumba Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Rydacat, and you can find me at Rydacat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can also find me at News Nerds Need. Uh, excuse me. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And that sound effects you heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, uh, one agent underscore 70. What's going on, everybody? We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! Whoa, that was weird. <laughs> what happened? Uh, the end of that sound effect sounded like it had a rip on it. <laughs> But yeah, that one's on to find, but weird. Anyway, um, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this at your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Coastal the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, we are here tonight talk comic books which you know thankfully <laughs> given the name of the show hey this is what we do here um we're going thankfully, they're still coming out in the midst of everything that's going on right yeah so, pretty much we are, nice we are to, back into it's that it's nice to have our regular diversion so well i think we had a pretty good diversion with the with the, um with the uh event stuff though that was actually a fun little aside but it is huh. definitely nice to to get back to you know the the regular bikes the books at a point. Okay, apparently that's not going to work either, so that's fine. But regardless, we are going to start off with. I, was about to say, I think we mean different things about about about, about the diversions. Uh, I think I, okay. I suspect you're talking about the current diversion and not exactly. the yeah. I know what you were talking about, but it's funny. All right, so... But yeah, we're uh, going to start off with Guardians of the Galaxy number eight. Yes, Galactic Intrigue. So it's, I'm just uh, going to go right off the bat and say that if there was... If, if Guardians happened to go the way of uh, wanting to make this into a detective series with, with Rocket as the League, I'm kind of all for it. I have a feeling that uh, at least for... What is this now? Issue eight? And they've been doing this for what? Like... Uh, two issues now, you know, and kind of teasing Rocket as um, um, maybe not taking the lead, but definitely being um, 
uh, you know, kind of carrying a different storyline in the wake of the, you know, spoiler alert here, the, the supposed death of Peter Quill. Mm. Uh, it's pretty interesting that uh, they decided to go in this direction, you know, kind of um, kind of a tease on, uh, uh, kind of a, a twist on what uh, Thor went through at the end of Endgame. You know, there's obviously a little bit of PTSD here as well. Um, but uh just let me rewind very quickly and say that the creative team on this book is uh, the it's written by Al Ewing, with art by Marcio Takara, with colors by Federico Bli. Okay, cool. So uh, we pick up at the beginning of this issue, uh, as Roddy Cat mentioned, with uh, the continuing investigation. Um, led by Rocket Raccoon, and he is um, doing his best, uh, you know, classic cop show, detective show um, uh, impression right off the top. And we're going through the various um, uh, various accounts of uh, of what happened. And some of my favorite things here are. Uh, you know, the little interactions between the various delegates at the supposed peace conference. And it was interesting to see Rocket immediately jump to a suspicion he had with the uh, murder weapon. And, you know, the, the art plays into this because uh, obviously we're not, completely expecting you know what happens to actually happen it seems almost too obvious but at the same time it's kind of a great little pickup you know and it's a great reveal that's uh played out over the course of a few panels with the perfect foil with the perfect uh, person to run the particular test on the murder weapon and i completely thought that we had seen the last of cull ert otherwise known as the super scroll for a few seconds yeah, no, nah, I think we're 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 stuck with him for a while. The other Just dude, however, yeah, What's that? So that other dude, however, he's uh, seemingly he's no longer in the picture. Thanks. Which feels like kind of unceremonious, you know, his second hand, which was you know, not one say not causing rabble during um during during Empire, but was was definitely a dissenting a, a slight dissenting voice in certain things. Right, uh, but now we don't have to worry about him any longer. <laughs> well, no, 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 no more Val or you right. know. I know that Roddy Cat has definitely had his issues with some of the naming, uh, the, the the naming techniques that uh, they've inter- that they've used for some of these uh, well, uh names of very but... members of Cree that have been introduced recently. Yeah, well, not even well, not recently passed. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I was about to say, like at least, at least over the last several years, you know, with the introduction of what was it, Captain Glory, as in Glory, right? Hell, G- Carol's Cree name, Carol. <laughs> I mean, come on, really? Right. <laughs> uh, but it, but anyway, but, but um, but yeah, but back to the um, the Guardians. Are, I do love, I, I do, and, and have enjoyed the way that Rocket kind of went about this thing. You know, and and it makes sense because you know it's not like Rocket's not intelligent. He's not like he doesn't have knowledge about him and things. So it's like this sort of the particular thing, especially dealing with weaponry. You know, that that is pretty much his forte. 
you know, and having been around enough people and seen enough stuff to be like, all right, well, I, I clearly know what's going on. You know, I kind of know what's going on here. Like he might have, someone say he might have slipped up on one, but that wasn't really a slip up. It was just like, yeah, well, it is what it is on that one. <laughs> but, right. you know, uh, him, you know, uh, asking people to do certain things, you know, to try to to try to uh, help out with the investigation. Basically, you know, doing his own type of CSI or doing their own type of CSI in a way with what they had on hand. So it it was all it was all cool to see all of that. And uh, I was like, you know what? I would actually, again, like I said, love to. Do. I do. Um, I'm reading from my notes real quick. I was like, yeah, the so the murder scene is trying to make the snarks re- relevant again. Which uh, a long time, you know, people of a certain vintage would know that uh, um, it's a power pack enemy. You know, what's funny about that is that I remember them as the snarks, like the actual way that they uh, that the kids in power pack described right. the aliens. Right. And I couldn't remember for the life of me um, what the actual I had to actually read the uh the uh, the alien race's name on the page and be like, oh, that's who they are. Because right. I couldn't remember what they looked like either, to be honest. It's just been that long. Right. And there was a chameleon there also, so that was I was kind of, you know... But none of those shenanigans was announced. Was like, that's why I was like, well, this ain't no power pack. Why are you bringing them up? But I get it. It's a galactic, and, you know, so they're... Right. I would add up. that, obviously, because this is... Uh, because of the nature of the story, it's a peace conference, and it's supposed to bring... Uh, you know, elements of uh, as many of the alien races of the peaceful alien races, at least, or the sentient alien races, that is, right, uh, to the table for negotiations. It makes sense that they would include several, maybe not primary alien races that we know, but definitely, you know, going out towards the fringes. And they even include the Chitari of recent addition to the Marvel universe straight from the cinematic universe, really. Mm-hmm, and basically. it is the rep, it's the representative of the Chitari that really gets the action moving in this book, in this particular issue. That is right. Um, which, you know, Hey, who, <laughs> the, the Chitari have always been used for fodder. So why not? Right. At, at this point, but right. yeah, even the name of the, the name of the representative should have been a pretty clear hint as well. I know. Right. <laughs> it's a little on the nose when i read it i was like oh well of course it is yeah i was like wait this the, well first of all the name and the species don't really add up but okay we clearly see we can we can we can clearly catch what's going on here <laughs> what's right. about to happen or something's going to happen with this uh and sure enough kind of does but uh even in the resolution of the issue and find out who that who was in i don't know who was involved it actually rocket kind of and not without not to uh, give it away anything because I think it's worth a good read. But um, the the delegate that uh, Rocket ends up pointing to, I kind of had a, a same question about because I was like, well, wait a minute, like these people are not really known to just come through a come through a a, a spot like this, you know, mm-hmm. for, for peace talks. So even when we met this person. Or wet met the, the guise of this person last issue. It was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Right. But, of course, that person, you know, the person wasn't who they pretended to be. And it ended up being someone, uh, as I said in my notes, a holdover from uh, Empire. Who's, uh, 
was let go and is running. Well, not was let go. Who's running around um, doing things? Hold on, just for a second. Mm-hmm. I was just going to mention that this particular reveal of a character uh, in their midst is continuing a spotlight being shown upon a new addition to the cosmic order in the Marvel universe. As you mentioned, someone who played a, a relatively prominent role in empire. And now we've got, uh, you know, more, more prominence. And obviously with Al Ewing being at the controls of both empire and guardians. And as essentially the, um, the Lone Space Book, you know, you're going to see this character, the Lone Space Book in the Marvel um, publishing schedule right now, at least, you're going to see this character play a, prom- a more prominent role after coming off of, uh, uh, you know, w- what I thought was a guest spot, but definitely had a, a big uh, spotlight in Empire. Right. So, all in all, um, you know, it, it, it was a, a good read and um i, I noticed that uh, you couldn't resist a nice blam reference uh in the oh. midst of it sure um if, if if there was one criticism i had it's something that it's something that plays off of uh a criticism that you've had for several years now is that it seems like we are ping-ponging from event to event and just as we're coming off of Empire and dealing with its after effects, we are rolling directly into the next event without ver- without much uh, without much of any opportunities opportunity to take a breath and tell separate stories that aren't tied into events. Obviously, the pandemic has a little bit of a role to play in this. Uh, we may have gotten. Uh, an issue or two more of interstitial events in between empire and the upcoming event, which, you know, it, it, there's no point in, in holding off on spoilers because we know what's coming up this winter and that being uh, King and black. Right. So ping ponging directly into King and black in the next issue. Yeah. That one was kind of a bummer at the end of this issue. I was only like, really, is this is what we're doing, huh? But again, yeah, that was, that that was definitely a, an issue I had with this. Uh, with this, I was about to say I, I I I retract that statement just a bit because I forget I forget that the next issue has to deal with uh, the one missing member of the Guardians cast. You know that's been taken off the board, and then True. it appears we're going to tie into King and Black. So well, yeah, but it's still it's still relative, so. right? You know, you so you still weren't wasn't wrong about that. Um, you know, we do end on a to be continued with a direct tie-in, but uh, the very next issue is going to be dealing with one Peter Quill, right? And probably having something to do with the way that page kind of laid out. Sounds like it has something to do with King of the Black, King of Black, anyway. So, uh, but that being said, like I said, that being the uh, the only the bummer in this issue, this was a click a potential click of the week. Now, not a click of the week, but a potential one for me because you know, like the, everything before that last part was um was was pretty great. 
Uh, you got anything else to say before we move on to another one? No, that's it. All right. Uh, do you let's look on to Amazing Spider-Man uh, 51 LR? Which, yeah, this is kind of another... Uh, you know, we've we've said this for the past few issues. Like, this is kind of one of those ones that kind of could have been. Well, not in this. Uh, I would say it could have been a regular in one of the regular issues, but uh, I believe I said last week that it seems like what the story was going to focus on was not the main focus on this. Like, they were there, they were kind of around, but this pretty much was like. Well, here's this, here's this thing, and here's this thing, and here's this person coming back into the fold, and then you know, and, and things kind of coming together on that front, but not necessarily directly about the people who the covers would suggest um, <laughs> that it was. In fact, right, I would we definitely see those characters. You know that uh, you know we definitely uh, do see those characters, and yeah. we do get um, some of the primary storyline moving forward but as as we've kind of criticized before this really could have just been a regular old issue number 52 or 53 however this would have fallen in the sequence because everything moves forward in this issue we we pick up on every thread of this particular storyline in this issue so um it's it's just it's 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 mildly annoying that mm-hmm. we're dealing with this alternative numbering system. Right. And assuming, um, assuming things being things like this seems to do more to set up. Uh, I felt like it did more to set up the next regular issue with, uh, a potential, with a potential team up than it did to do anything about the people that were on the cover. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and again, also coming together of other, of other bits that are uh, kind of not necessarily loose, but just kind of there, bringing them into the fold proper. Um, and actually kind of makes me want to see if uh, what's the what's the story on uh, Mary Jane's book, because I believe. It's kind My of understanding just- is that it was canceled. But I don't think they've come out with an official word. If right. I recall, the artist or the cover artist on the book basically said that they basically put something out on social media uh, saying that these were the covers that were intended right. for the that, I remember. that were going to come out. Right. So I don't know if they've ever put out an official statement. Uh, just to just do just to circle back around, uh, this book was written by Nick Spencer and Matthew Rosenberg with art by Federico Vincentini. And colors by Marcio Meniz. Sure. Um, so I was actually I was actually googling just now because as as Ryder Cat mentioned, you know, we follow up on uh, these characters that are you know kind of on the periphery of this mini event in the Spider-Man, in, you know, in, in Amazing Spider-Man and. That's been that's been given as the reason for these .lr books. We're dealing with uh, character. We're dealing with the uh, non-spidey and non-kindred characters. Basically, if right. it's not spidey and it's not kindred, they're going to show up in these last remains books. So, um, 
you know, and they're not even tie-ins. They're just, you know, it's it's the main book, just the uh, this this wacky numbering. But uh, in, in any event, um, we you know we we get brought up to speed on everyone being tied in, and then the sin eater at the end of the book goes off in a vastly different direction that I did not expect at all. Yeah, I say in my notes, he's he's going to go. He's going after a target that might be a little much for him, given this this character's history. No, I was about to say, and given his current state of affairs, exactly. With with the, uh, the 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 abilities given to him by Kindred being taken away, this doesn't exactly sound like the best idea. And the character that's teased on in the in the cliffhanger at the end of the book made me, and I literally just thought of this now. I'm like, I don't remember the last time we saw this character, and. You mean post it, uh, post Spider post uh, Spider Verse? Oh no, no. Uh, this, we're talking Spider Geddon. Spider Geddon. I yeah. know that you didn't read right. I know you. I know that uh, that you didn't read Spider Geddon, but I forgot where this character went after Spider Geddon. That's where I remember last seeing the character. So, mm-hmm. uh, just jumped on the wiki real quick just to see where this ends up going, and you know where this character went. Sure. So, you know, I'd have to go back and, and, and circle back and, and see. But this character was, uh, to me at least, a surprise addition at the end of the uh, at the end of this particular uh, issue of the story. Yeah, because honestly, because leading up to it, when he's when when senior was talking, I was like, yeah, we're going to go back to somebody who knows who's talking, who hunts, who hunts, not on a hunt spot. I was thinking well, we're bringing a, a Craven's son in, into this. Mm hmm. Uh, and uh, sure enough, that was not the case. But I'm like, okay, well, clearly they're, they're bringing that this this dude in. But no, not so much. It's this other dude, which we we still won't spoil at this point. But um, yeah, that's weird. The the I, I the weirdest thing about this is I'm more interested in this Barney Greengrass than half of what was going on in this issue. Like, yeah, we 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 get some updates about. We actually, um, I guess, for people who are not reading anything outside of Spidey or less of the, like, we get the little the news feed that that uh, that was being shown in the beginning, that uh, that senior was being shown, that has the little crawl underneath it with, that shows other things that's going on in the world in the world sort of, or at least you know, um, you know, kind of lose to them. Uh, yeah. But then we see like the new warriors, because and then that was another thing that was like, oh yeah, I forgot the new warriors was supposed to have a book <laughs> coming out of a uh, um, uh, outlawed that hasn't shown up yet. If it's still planning to, uh, but they show up and just kind of out of the blue to kind of you know help out the situation and get get handled by the uh, the aforementioned spider folk running around. But outside of that, you know the spider work, the, the spider folk just kind of come in. You know, uh, come in, cause some havoc, leave. You know, uh, they touch um, upon you know uh, Norman Osborn is, is still around in his book. You know, uh, which actually brings up another thing. Now I'll go ahead and talk about this real quick. I'm like, wait, so Mary Jane, we already saw is, is back in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man, and she shows up here, and she's kind of just she's driving around and kind of has a run in with the Spider Folk. But and something happens, and then she gets found by Norman Osborn. 
And I'm sitting here like, how in the world did he even find her? Like, is he tracking her? Like, what's going on with that? Well, that's the, supposed to be the surprise because I think it took everybody by surprise. Right. Um, you know, he's just sort of he's just sort of uh, uh, hanging out on the uh, the Queensboro Bridge, you know, as the uh, as she's crossing over from uh, from Queens, you know, driving in from the airport into the city. So, mm. you know, it's just you know, it's like, oh, here's Norman, Norman. Right, but I'm like, like that that was. No, like, wait, how do you know she was even here? And right, but anyway, that's like, that's, I'm, I'm sure that will probably, I would like to believe, get uh, answered in one of the upcoming to, issues. Yeah, I was about to say, check that. It looks like, oh, you know what? It's the, there's a little bit of inconsistency, and it's, and it's definitely typical of Marvel, mm-hmm. which bridge um, uh, the characters are actually crossing. It looks like it's supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge. So I will change that to, um, Norman just hanging out um, on the Brooklyn Bridge and yes. randomly picking up the car service car that is being driven, that, that is driving uh, Mary Jane around, right? Right. And, and, you know, you as a resident in New Yorker would know better than I. I was like, I wasn't even going to gonna even attempt to figure out which, which bridge that was. So I, I only say that because, remember, where Gwen dies is, uh, is it's, it's supposed to be... Um, I believe it's supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge, but uh, it's drawn as the George Washington Bridge. Sure, so. got you. Oh, so you thinking they might that some of that might come out also? Or are you just saying that that's with that? No, I think it's just I, I'm just I just that's what um, that's what I remember when I uh, when, uh, when when it comes to trying to identify certain landmarks in New sure. York. That's like one of the things that sticks out in memory. Like that's not the Brooklyn Bridge when I first read that as a reprint. Right. Now, that being said, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if that does happen to come up, I mean, especially given with who is involved and what's, you know, the stuff they've oh, been touching sure. on. So. Sure, sure. I mean, whether or not whether or not that becomes any sort of element here, because, you know, it could be that. That plays a part in the main numbered storyline. I hate to say it that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the last remains numbered books. So we, you know, we'll see where uh, they're both out next week. Actually, That's according correct. to the last page of minor solicitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I think we are, we might have mentioned that like last week or whatever the last book was. But that being said, though, to wrap the this up, uh, so tell me about this Barney Greengrass. This is Barney Greengrass stuff that you're talking about. I gotta re- I gotta rewind a little bit. Apparently, this is a real place because Mary Jane mentions uh, mentions wanting to go to this Barney Greengrass place, uh, which led up to her being, I guess, you know, getting on being on the bridge in the first place because she was like she was telling her driver, I was like, yeah, there's a bagel, there's there's a bagel with locks in it for you if you can get us there before they close. And I, and I looked it up, and this space is part, uh, apparently a real place. I was about to say it didn't ring a bell to me, but okay. it, it might be uh, some place that that Spencer knows. It says it's a, a breakfast place, so I don't know. Yeah, you got me. I was about to say, you know, there uh, much like um, much like the rest of the country, there's always some place in your uh, hometown that you just never go to because either it's a tourist place or it's just too far of out of your way. Right. <laughs> so, and plus you live in a big town. So, you know, it's, yeah. I was about to say five forty one Amsterdam. That's far uptown. Yeah. So, 
I, I was kind of curious about that. Like I, I had already went ahead and, and Googled it myself. Like, like, wait, is this a real place? And there's just like some made up place. Cause you know, the, the, there have been times where they've obviously New York is real in, in the Marvel universe and you know, whether right. it was a made up Marvel universe place or an actual place that they've referenced, you know, like they have, like Marvel has in the, in the past with stuff. So, um, cool. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I didn't. Even, I, I just sort of. I didn't even bump on it really because I had never been there and never heard of it. So, sure. but uh, that's cool that that's a real place, um, and understandable that I wouldn't even recognize it because I don't frequent um, uh, that part of town that much. Sure. But it looks like Bourdain has been there, so it's definitely hit the. You know, <laughs> it's definitely gotten some fame. Sure. sure. You know, it's a, it's a Jewish deli. So, all gotcha. right. Yeah, it's like I said. Sometimes when it, when it, when when references like that come up, I like to look them up just to like, wait, is that a real place or is it not? But you know, mm-hmm. that's, so that's that. Cool. But that I think pretty much wraps up um, uh, Made in Spider Man Fifty One LR because there's really, honestly, like that without uh, outside of the fact that it just kind of brought in a whole lot of stuff together, kind of folded in some stuff, or whether wasn't much else to the book. You know, and we'll see more on at least a couple of parts of it in the next actual issues. Well, in both actual uh, issues that are coming up next week or whenever. Uh, that being said, you want to throw out a book? Uh, a little bit of a curveball here. Do sure. you want to touch upon Atlantis Attacks number four? Oh, sure. Why not? Hit it. So creatively this is still written by greg pock and this book it's been off the publishing schedule for a while now and there was actually some talk that this might not come out at all at least in the retailer circle back when publishing was getting back on its feet after the initial shutdown due to covid um atlantis attacks was supposed to have been finished in the spring. This is one of those books that had gotten to the midway point just as the Diamond and and resulting Marvel, you know, the resulting publisher shutdowns went into effect. So it was tough to see this book take, you know, such a long hiatus, but now it's back. It's uh, also with art by Ario and Indito and Robert uh, Gill. And you can unfortunately actually tell when the art team either switches or or, or alternates pages. Um, And uh, it's colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, who's always on point. But uh, getting back to the story, we are dealing with confrontations between Namor, the old and new uh, agents of Atlas, and the forces of Pan. And it's revealed that um, – what's funny is that um, uh, before I get to the reveal, Mike Nguyen is definitely uh, you know, speaking out of both sides of his mouth, trying to pull you – know, trying to get his uh, – you know, trying to get Pan into a favorable position at every turn, trying to figure out how to – make the situation profitable both for himself and for this uh, venture that that he's on, the agents of Atlas are kind of caught in the middle. One thing that I, I kind of am in, in, in interested in 
is the reintegration of dragon lore into all of these kind of uh, East Asian stories. So mm. we've got the, the the involvement of dragons here as well as in uh, Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, obviously, but at the same time, it's kind of interesting that we are getting uh, this as well as um, the Mandarin in the upcoming Shang-Chi movie. And we may or may not be familiar with the origin of the Mandarin's rings, but they are supposed to be of, I forget the alien, the full, the, the full name of the alien race, but the Mac- Maculuans? Something like that, yeah. Right. But but those are a race of dragons. Mm-hmm. So that may be, you know, that that actually got my uh, my, uh, my 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 uh, anticipation kind of going in that direction for the moves. Like, I wonder if they're going to introduce space dragons into, you know, in, into the Marvel Universe through Shang-Chi of all places. It's quite possible. I feel like they would have done. Well, maybe not. Um, that, that's, no, that's... because of the Mandarin rings. I know. Well, but... it wouldn't be like a direct introduction. Be like, here's dragons. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I feel like that would have there would have been a reference or something, if not even this then or somewhere, you know, coming forward to that part. But I mean, that's not saying that they still couldn't do it. But yeah, I, I, I feel like that even in that probably would have there would have been some sort of reference somewhere going going in that direction. In the, in the MCU, at least, right. But... But yeah, I just think it's I, I think it's interesting that uh, they're 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 bringing that particular lore into the fold. Um, but getting back to the story, um, you know that one dragon that had been the center of this particular issue uh, of this particular uh, uh, event storyline that had been uh, essentially revealed to have been kidnapped from Atlantis and taken to Pan. Um, that particular dragon gets pretty much dealt with by wave of all people. And when I say of all people is it's because no one, and I repeat this with some emphasis, no one believed that wave was that powerful. And it's kind of a revelation here. It's a reveal. I mean, it, I feel like in the, those, uh, in the arrow backup story, there was some allusions to that. Uh, I think is the first full uh, exhibition of this kind of power level. Right. Because I feel like somewhere in there was like, yeah, you know, when, you know, when they were going through her history or whatnot, it was like, yeah, there was was that like, and even she kind of doubts her power. So yeah, what you just said still makes, you know, makes makes a lot of sense, but it feels like at this point she's starting to, yeah, she's starting to come into it, you know? Definitely. And, and, you know, all of the things that were happening earlier in this series, like the, um, the different, uh, the different underwater peoples that have been introduced over the course of, um, the story, um, you know, the Serena's, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see that, uh, uh, you know, different, uh, different factions of the underwater peoples being, uh, you know, slowly introduced or reintroduced into the uh the marvel universe making um kind of expanding the characters that you can play with other than the atlanteans the you know that are being ruled by namor uh i just wanted to mention that it's kind of weird to see namor put his uh funky new costume on after 
his confrontation with the agents. I I mentioned that in my notes. I'm like, when did he have time to change clothes? <laughs> he just put them on. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, hold on for a second. I got to get into my 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 my, my evil Namor stuff. My, my my emo neighbor uh, Namor stuff before we right. go down here. But um, I'm was gonna ask you. I was looking up at your notes to see if you read Captain Marvel from this week, and it doesn't appear that you have it listed. I did, okay. and, and and I didn't want to uh, uh, list it simply because. And I think I, I know where you're going with this, but what I was going to mention about Captain Marvel in general is that we are once again in a dystopian possible future, right? It's just this kind of recurring theme in Captain Marvel. And I'm like, really? Why are we doing this again? You know, we're literally just coming off this in a previous version of the book. And they still haven't revealed exactly why she is doing this uh, particular reality slash dimension slash, uh, you know, possible future hop. So um, I know that the cover for this week's uh, issue of Captain Marvel number 23 features one version of Namor, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't exactly jive with what's going on here. Yeah, I, I kind of skimmed like the first couple of pages. Like, I haven't been reading uh, Captain Marvel, but I uh, I skimmed like the first couple of pages of it just kind of saying, like, well, what's, you know, what's at least some conceit for this to happen? But in it, even then, it didn't get to that point from what I read. But I'm like, okay, well, this thing. Huh? It's at the end. It's, right. Well, what I was going to say was... Once again, it, it, I was going to say, once again, the uh, cover doesn't exactly play out in the issue. Yeah, which <laughs> tends to happen. But, but but what I was trying to say was that, um, yeah, it clearly has nothing to do with this. But I was kind of curious if, you know, if it didn't actually get to something around the line. But since I already had, you know, like I said, from what I skimmed from the first part, I was like, yeah, this, this I, there's, doesn't seem to be a way that that would tie into this. But I was just kind of curious. Um, but getting back to Atlantis attacks, though, uh, I think the only other thing to kind of mention about this uh, before we move on is that uh, apparently uh, Jimmy Woo has to kind of come clean on some stuff, you know, where it's, uh, his role in 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 the, some dealings going on here, more specifically with the dragons, the aforementioned dragons, and you know, which that. If I'm not mistaken, that whole thing, I know, I feel like that's been, I know that's the thing that's been kind of a thing with Agents of Atlas, correct? Like, there was a right. drag, the whole dragon thing. Like, that's been a while. And I know this has come up in past issues and and whatnot. Um, and even outside of my own little, my, you know, kind of going through the wiki and seeing what's what. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. Um, I assume I, I, part of this issue kind of made me wonder. Was like, well, okay, we know this is the penultimate issue. There's, uh, you know, the, the end of the issue is kind of uh, is going to be a fight, clearly, or something's going to happen because of what happened at the end of this issue with uh, Amadeus and uh, Gwen, Mike Gwen. Um, but like, I'm kind of curious as to whether, and I don't even know why I'm thinking about this. Whether they're going to try to tie this into King and Black some kind of way. Well, because they're going to tie everything into King and Black, obviously. Yeah. I, you know, part of that, you know, remember what I was saying earlier about uh, the delays. I'm fairly certain they delayed this book so that they could get it more solidly tied into King and Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my suspicion. Um, obviously, they did not get to the point where they're going to solicit the cover for number five 
but it looks like the cover for number five has been, you know, this is my pure speculation on my part has been on my part has been redone to reflect the more clear tie-in to King and Black. Of and, course. You know, it's um, and just a quick note before we move on to our next book. What happens to Amadeus at the end of this issue was surprising to me. Yeah. Did not realize that Mike Nguyen would have access to this kind of tech and would be able to, you know, uh, you know, run this particular um, uh, uh, contingency plan into effect. So it was a little bit surprising to me, but that's what cliffhanger pages are for. Right. I don't. Well, yeah, I can't say that it was that big of a. So it was a surprise that it happened, but I can't uh, say it was a surprise to me that that would be a thing that could happen. I mean, obviously, Pan being a, a you know, what it is as a technically advanced city of a sort, um, you know, it, it was saying the reason why he would he would have some more you know, some, some more tech prowess than just uh, what he did with the city. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and his guards and everything else. Uh, but yeah, that's being that. So we can move on to another book. I guess we'll do what, one or one more before we hit um, rapid fire. And I guess sure. we can do Avengers. That's cool. Uh, Avengers number 38. So, uh, in lieu of what I have in uh, the news section later on, I'm just probably going to go ahead and mention that in a minute. But basically, uh, as far as my notes are concerned, like I, I like how T'Challa tries to recruit Moon Knight and is like, "Yeah, you kind of did some things here, and if you want to make up for it, why don't you join the team?" <laughs> and 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 of and of course, Moon Knight's like, uh, "No, I don't think so. You can go to hell." <laughs> And then the rest of the issues pretty much about them dealing with the quote unquote hell of a situation they got going on with uh, Mephisto. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> but also kind of bringing together the other parts of uh the the other parts of uh the the stories with um you know the, the the baby star brand and particularly the Phoenix Force, who's now come back into play and is kind of uh, off in the distance from Avengers Mountain, uh, being watched over by Thor and Blade and them talking, and again and even get a nice little appearance. Well, like yeah, a nice little appearance by Iron Fist for some reason. Well, not even for some reason because we know that all of that kind of ties back into the one million BC stuff, which is right. which again this issue kind of goes into tying all that stuff. Um, and including the Mephisto stuff, which I'm still not that the end of this was still kind of like, really, really, but, um, you know, tying all that stuff together, going into whatever's going to happen with the book, um, uh, you know, going forward with this, with this part, uh, we find out that Mephisto's pretty much been in the ear of every major, um, um, villain the avengers much less the earth has had to deal with but and also it kind of i feel like even in that reveal kind of goes back on or kind of um kind of goes against a couple of things like we see apocalypse showing up and like granted they they show you know apocalypse fighting a version of the avengers um but well i mean one of the i was about to say one of the events 
we understand. Yes. You know, one of them, the very first one that's teased, even though we don't we don't recognize the very first um, the very first appearance of uh, skinny Thanos. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, it's Cosmic Ghost Rider all over again. Right. That was uh, that was a pretty funny, you know, and I'm not completely spoiling this, um, but it was a pretty funny appearance. But one of those, obviously, we know is based in comic book history, just not necessarily at that particular time period. Right. And, but, and there's another particular one that's uh, steeped in Avengers history. It's more like that also that that, that whole thing kind of goes against because mm-hmm. if you know how the Avengers were formed and you know what the catalyst was and potentially who the catalyst was at that point. But now this is suggesting that there was another catalyst that wasn't the one that we knew it to be. Right. But obviously, um, or at least part of, I should say, right. What I was going to mention is that that's not the first time. So that might've been another time that that happened. I don't know if that happened when the team, uh, when, 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 because I, if I'm not mistaken, um, the, what, what, what Roddy cat is referring to was actually orchestrated by Loki. Correct. Um, and I don't recall if, and obviously this is this is us relying on costuming being portrayed by you know by McGinnis, Morales, and company on this book. Uh, just to do a quick recap, it's uh, written by Jason Aaron, the art by Ed McGinnis, and ink by Mark Morales, and colors by Jason Keith. We're relying on. The depiction of uh, character costumes here to give us an idea of when this happens in Avengers history. Mm. So to see Mephisto's retconned involvement in this, it's inter- it's 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 kind of interesting to figure out if this is what we understood to be. Uh, the episode when Loki is involved, or if it's another one. So well, see, and which brings it's a which, different. Yeah, I was about to say it's a different way. It's a different retcon if it's one or the other. Well, it, it's it's. I mean, further thinking about this, it could be both. But at the same time, around that time, what we know to be in the formation of the group, and particularly this character that uh, that uh, Mephisto is in his ear of already kind of had a mistrust of humans because of this, you know, because of their dealings with them. So, I mean, I say that it slightly kind of goes against that, but it also in the same, at the same terms kind of goes along with, because it kind of mm-hmm. does it in a way it was like, well, if you go back and read those old issues or even old issues of this character's book, um, uh, it could be pretty much any time in the time. And even in the pages of uh, Avengers, not, I remember, you know, reading, reading um, a couple of those old classic issues, the first couple of classic issues where they were they, where they involved. Um, like that was a kind of a thing that's been, that was mentioned, you know? So like I said, it could, it could go both ways, but it's still at the time when I, when I first read this, it was like, well, that kind of seemed like it goes against it. But like I said, it was also like, well, Given that, given that character's history, like it could very much go with and against, you know, right? Based on, based on how that character was portrayed at the time. I mean, we're literally going back to the first two issues, exactly. So, 
So it's not outside the realm of possibilities, but at the same time, it's still kind of weird. So right. So it, it, that part was still kind of weird, but nevertheless, the, the apocalypse stuff I still stand on because it was like, well, we know, especially given recent, um, you know, what's going on in, in the X corner of the books, which we're, I'm sure we'll probably get to in a minute or two. Um, uh, uh, you know, having Mephisto in Apocalypse's ear saying, "Hey, this is this is a thing." When we know from recent issues of the X books that there was a whole other reason that probably could also play into it. But you know, like they do is just slide enough to feel like it, it feels off, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like it could still fit. Now, you would think Apocalypse being as old as these would recognize, you know. Mephisto for what it is, for what he is, but right. that that doesn't even matter at this point. Um, so that little nitpick aside, the rest of the issues pretty much like, uh, yeah, here's here's them trying to piece get the the puzzle pieces together on, or and not unlike the Spidey book, you know, kind of folding everything in together and probably bringing it back to the one million BC stuff, um. And uh, apparently, whatever's going to happen with this Mephisto storyline, right. um, and that and that definitely the cover is one of those uh, misleading covers, which I should also point out. Right, the at least in terms of what's supposedly depicted, right, is definitely misleading. But it definitely uh, lets you know that this is going to further the Mephisto storyline that is in the Avengers book and has been for a little while and definitely gets followed up on in a major way. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning is the, uh, the long history of Mephisto's involvement in the lifetime of a certain family that gets a visitor. Uh, well, uh, rewind just for rewind just a half second and I read this character's family name as a play on trading places. I don't know if you picked up on that. <laughs> it's not Winthrop. You know, I read that as Winthorpe. Winthorpe, yeah, like, oh I can see God. that. <laughs> you know, it's it, because it's a it's an amalgamation of uh, <sighs> character names from trading places. Mm. And I really got a kick out of that. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a nice little Easter egg that Jason Aaron put into the story. Mm-hmm. And it made, obviously, perfect sense relating to the uh, the, the character storyline that was intertwined with Mephisto uh, in this book. And how that character, or at least that family of characters, gets tied back into what... Um, you know, and, and there's a, a certain uh, family member related to an, a, a current Avenger that is, um, you know, I don't think we've spoiled this as of yet, but right. it's probably worth catching up on if you want to figure out what's going on so we won't spoil it. Um, this particular uh, uh, Avenger uh, family member is... At least right now, at least for now, being teased as um, having a role with Mephisto. So, right now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is not the first time Mephisto and this character's and this other character has 
been played together, correct? Especially in the Iron Man books. Because I feel like, wasn't that like a storyline uh, in a fairly recent... Um... I think that's what's being teased. I think that's where I think that's where all this is. I think that was more Iron uh, Avengers. I think that's earlier Avengers. This has been going on for a while now. Because hmm. I felt like that was something that was in the the Iron Man book that was uh, that was kind of a thing. But I don't know because I wasn't reading it at the time. So, I mean, we always joke about how it's easy to forget because we just read a lot of these books and it's easy to misplace some of these facts. So. Hmm. Not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that we're just relating back some of the things that have popped up in the Avengers book. Maybe. If I'm I don't not know. I don't know. Like so, I said, I, I, I will probably do the, the, the thing all about that. Because was, that was something I was curious about. I was like, well, this is not the first time that this character and Mephisto has been, you know, in the same place. In the same, well, you know, mentioned the same place and having to do with this person. So who knows? Uh, but regardless, the one last thing to say about this issue is that we do, as uh, Age of 70 has said uh, previously, we do get to see some events, excuse me, in Avengers history, including some a couple of future ones. Well, at least one future one um, having to do with not the next Avengers that we know of, but a, uh, I guess another version of the Avengers um, that I guess... Um, I don't know what to, what to say about that one, but it's like, yeah, we we kind of get a, a next Avengers like um, team up, including um, a Krakoan with the Phoenix fo- fo- Force, uh, who apparently is still around, or mm-hmm. or assumingly that's still that is him and not his son, which I doubt, but um, um, at some future point going against doom, the living planet. And I was like, you know, I would actually kind of read that. Cause that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like doom took doom, took over ego, the limit living planet and, and is now living his life as a, as a metallicized head floating in space. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but that being said, um, that is it for Avengers 38. Unless you got something else you, you want to nope. No, we can uh, bring it to rapid fire if you want. Uh, we don't want to. Yeah, yeah, why not? Because I don't know those, if that was that much in the Xbox to kind of. Yeah, I was about to say, we can do those together and quickly. Yeah. All right. Hit it. Spinning it up. All right. Rapido fire, cuz. Yeah, I'm probably going to say that for the next few weeks i don't know why because there's no fast and furious to speak of except for in the clickbait section which you can read the one story that is in there about that i was about uh, to say i could understand if it was a jectocito but yeah you know let's play on that so why not um you wanna you wanna go or sure i will go ahead i know we got some stuff in common there's certainly some books here that we read in uh, you know, um, we, we both read that we can discuss jointly. The first book I will talk about is Batman number 102. Uh, this is written by James Tinney in the fourth with art by Carlo Pagulayan, uh, who did way back in the day, um, who did, um, uh, planet Hulk and, uh, and, and, and lots of Hulk stuff that people, 
have uh, circled back to recently with uh, inks by Danny Mickey, who we all know as um, a former member of the Image uh, inking slash uh, art team. So um, in this book, we immediately go into the aftermath of the Joker War and we have a new character and yet another retcon into Bruce Wayne's past. A new character introduced called the Ghost Maker, who is connected to Bruce Wayne um, and his years of training. I will leave it at that. So uh, yet again, a retcon into the history of Bruce Wayne in his path or while he was on his path to becoming the Batman. Next up is Black Widow number three. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Elena Casagrande and colors by Jordi Belair. I know that Roddy Cat read this. Yep. I would just say that uh, the uh, the two uh, the two Avengers, or at least um, the two erstwhile longtime partners of the Black Widow, are struggling with what to do in this particular situation. Um, and and analyzing what's happening to uh, Natasha, and they are set upon by yet another, uh, well, relatively recent supporting character for Black Widow, who drops a bit of a bombshell on us uh, when it comes to where we find uh, Natasha currently and where she's been for the last supposed two or three months under the... Um, under the, uh, the the spell and captivity of Arcade. So it's interesting that we get that reveal. You may see that in a spoiler article or two online. I definitely did see that while I was checking out, I believe, uh, Newsarama slash Games Radar at some point uh, last night or today. So I definitely saw that. I can say that Elena Casagrande's art, at least in several really cool sequences in this uh, really shines. I really was impressed by some of the stuff that she put into play uh, in this issue in terms of um, combat as well as storytelling. Really was impressed by that. Yeah, um, I was about to say, yeah, I mean, uh, this other widow that, that pops up is is a long time, you know, not... And it's not surprising because they're pretty much everybody, almost everybody that has shown up has been uh, some form of friend or foe to 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 Natasha. And I'm by the way, I'm just going to henceforth during the the course of this uh, the rest of this uh, book call her Charlie Natamore, as in as in Charlie Baltimore, because this pretty much part of this is playing off long kiss playing playing out like long kiss good night as far as uh, that part of her concern, but that might be reset at the end of this issue. Uh, that being said, uh, because one of her foes that was supposedly dead, and I don't know if they're going to go any way to explain that part, um, who really has a hard on for revenge, uh, decided to flip the script and go against what the plan was. Right. Um, uh, you know, causing said reset, I guess, and causing her to go full Charlie Baltimore. But, Outside of that, I kind of, I almost was like, because um, when she, the fight, the part when she was fighting, I was like, um, 
she took out three guys with a pencil, but it was a hanger in her case, but it, and it wasn't like that case because she did end up using up some sort of stuff. I'm like, yep, because I, I almost right, put it I in really my notes. Like that. Yeah, I was about to say, I really liked how that was. Mm-hmm. I really did because yeah, those little inset panels was a really fine touch. That was not something I was expecting to see, you know, especially in um, especially in a, a, a two-page spread like this. That's yeah. why I really made note of the storytelling. Yeah, it's not really, um, you know, uh, you know, and the art is, is 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 beautiful to look at, and obviously the colors make it uh, even better. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely credit. Uh, Elena Casagrande with her storytelling uh, uh, ability here and that she's really telling so much in these panels, which could just be gratuitous splash pages, but they're not. And that's what's awesome. Indeed. Moving right along. Next up for me is um, I'll talk about the slightly out of order so that we can keep um, two of these stories together. Um, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 20. Uh, it's written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Wayne Foucher and Ferreira, and colors by David Curiel. Uh, we circle back to um, Miles and the Prowler, uh, in this case now Uncle Aaron. You know, that's not that big a spoiler because, come on, people, they want to make... Uh, uh, they want to uh, make some synergy between the comics and whatever movies are out there, right? Yeah. You know, because Hobie's some, you know, Hobie's uh, uh, playing a different role now, but uh, Hobie Brown, that is. But uh, in any event, back to the story, we get um, more Ultimate Universe shenanigans. And for anyone that thought that the Ultimate Universe um, was going to be uh, an afterthought, we we perfectly know now that uh, that's not the case because Ultimatum, the 616 Miles Morales, is definitely making a play to make himself the only Miles Morales in the 616. Um, but we still don't know if, if, that, if that is the case, going to be the case for the Marvel Universe at large, but definitely in this corner of the universe. Say again? I said we don't know if it's going to, like you were saying, you know, be a, a far-reaching thing in the the, um, the 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 universe at large, but or in just in this corner of the book, or just right. this corner of the Marvel universe, rather. Right, but you know, in terms of the ultimate stuff, right, uh, and and obviously this is the corner of the Marvel universe that would um, that would have the most connection to it because this was the carryover character, mm-hmm. the main carryover character, right, from the universe, so. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else that I need to mention other than it's um, Miles, the Prowler, and and a massing of forces from characters that have played guest-starring roles in this book up until now. That includes Starling, it includes Cap, it also includes Bombshell, um, you know, it's like, uh, let's get the, let's get the gang together, uh, in terms of, um, all the, uh, the superpower types that have shown up in the, uh, in the series to date. So, um, they're all massed together to try to take on, um, the threat of these. And it's weird because 
before we move on, well, at least before I, I, I kind of wrap my discussion on this, it's weird to see um, this version of the Green Goblin. It still is. You know, I didn't read Ultimate that closely, Ultimate Spider-Man that closely, so it's still, to me, very weird to see this version of the Green Goblin, knowing what's happening in, in current Amazing. Right. Yeah, with, I, I actually, I kind of that I kind of felt that same way. Yeah, uh, with our Norman, it's weird to see all of this happening, seeing yeah. all this happen. You know, like it's it's it's. I understand why they would want to keep it uh, apart because um, Spencer and Rosenberg are telling their own story and amazing right now. So, um, but yeah, it, to me, it was it was it was a little weird. Yeah. Also, and I will say I'm I'm kind of upset at myself because I totally forgot to pull this book because no, I would have absolutely read it had I um remember to pull it. But oh, oh, well, I'm sorry for no, no, I you didn't, did, you did, you're fine. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I was about to say that was really the 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 the, the, the crux of what happened in the last issue. It's really just a right. continuation yeah, of no, what happened fine. in the last issue, and uh, this is a, a case where the cover really does tell you a lot of what happens in this book. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of another book that has a cover that's, that, 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 that is um, definitely informative is Thor number nine, hmm. written by Donnie Cates with art by Nick Klein and colors by Matt Wilson. This, uh, this is a very strong contender for click of the week for me. And shout out to Binge Mode. They dropped their um in they're, they're doing their um they're doing their binge on the MCU and this uh and, and today they dropped the Thor episode. They dropped it this morning and I listened to it during the day. And they actually mentioned this issue based on its solicitations because it's no secret based on the cover and based on the solicitations that Dr. Donald Blake makes his return to the Thor universe in this issue. It's been, you know, that's, it was, if I recall, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they, they mentioned that in the solicitations and obviously it's on the cover. So, um, you know, the, the binge mode folks, shout out to, uh, Mallory and Jason, they mentioned, um, the Easter egg in the first Thor movie in terms of the Donald Blake name and, um, and and uh, uh, name tag really um, that shows up in the movie, but this issue brings Donald Blake back into the, um, the, the Thor universe in the comics, and goes into um, where Donald Blake has been, and it ties into what's been going on with Thor recently. Um, I had to actually check the wiki again to see the last time we saw Donald Blake and to see where he's supposed to have been. So. This isn't a complete follow-up. This isn't um, uh, a straight-up follow-up to where Donald Blake has been, but definitely is related to the last time we saw the character. So, um, uh, you know, it's 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 not um, a complete change to where, where we last saw the character, and now we see where the character has been. Um, I guess relatively recently, and it's not. Uh, it, 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 it's not an understatement to to say that it's kind of a cool twist. It really is. Um, I don't think Roddy Cat is up to date on Thor. I am not, but this knowing that Donald Blake comes back in is coming back into play. Having seen this, I'm like, I am kind of very much curious to catch up and um, you know check this out. 
I will tell you that you don't really need to have read sure okay any of the first eight issues to kind of pick this book up, knowing that broad strokes there's an idea of what's going on in this book, mm-hmm. right? Uh, especially in the wake of um, in the wake of the, uh, the, the 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 costume change and the role change as the as the um, as the uh, the Herald of Galactus for a few issues. That's not necessary to know, really, when you pick this book up. So you can actually pick this up and just kind of go from there. Um, I will not be slamming down my cup of uh, tea for that statement, but um, good. It's okay. Uh, but I was going to say real quick, because something I forgot from the Miles stuff, is that if you, like me, um, chuckled when Agent 70 said Miles and then Prowler, we are on the same page, and I appreciate you. Good. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, uh, it evoked another character that has nothing to do with either one of those characters. It's funny. Never. So, um, I think I'm done with Thor. I'm just scrolling through just to see if there's anything else I wanted to mention. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, I have to be honest, it's a really interesting take on the Thor comic book mythology. Okay. And the and, and, and the canon. So uh, I definitely would recommend this. It's a definite candidate for click of the week for me. Hmm. Uh, next up for me is U.S. Agent number one. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't do the other Kate's book, but okay. What's that? I said, oh, I'm kind of surprised you oh, didn't do the other together, Kate's book. Oh, I was just going in order because I, I didn't want to lose place with the X books. Gotcha. Because uh, I wanted to keep them together. Yeah. Um, U.S. Agent number one, written by, Chris, written by Christopher Priest with art by George Jaunty. Uh, inks by Carl Story and colors by Matt Mello. We uh, run into one John Walker, who has been uh, decommissioned by the U.S. government, and he's out there on his own with. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing. I'll be perfectly honest. Like uh, whoever knew. <laughs> no, that's true. It's true. So it's funny that. Um, uh, Priest ties together several things going on in the recent uh, Marvel history, including um, including the uh, the dismantling of Shield and 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 some of their um, leftover tech and leftover bases around. Um, there's a lot of real world uh, analogies integrated into the story. You know, lots of um, you know, lots of things that, that 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 make my head hurt, but unfortunately mm-hmm. don't make anybody else's. Don't make enough people's head hurt. Heads hurt in the world because <laughs> some of these people actually believe this stuff, and that's obviously what um, that's obviously what uh, priest is playing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun to see uh, that the U.S. agent is not running around with his vibranium shield. And is constantly complaining that he's going through them uh, way faster than he can replace them. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say I don't know if you were finished uh, with. Oh, I would just I was about to say I would just add um, the reveal at the end ties into something that John Walker's been dealing with uh, all issue. At first, I thought it was sin. Uh, the Red Skull's daughter, but hmm. 
it's not because we, I, if I'm not mistaken, sin has already been um, exposed to something that would give her a red skull. Hmm. So that, that, you know that, that was a little case. that was a little um, what you call it uh, that was a little uh, disconcerting even hmm. because it also made me think it was Diamondback. So it took a you know it, it took me a second to really see um, how they were going to pull this back into what had been going on in this first issue. Sure. Um, the only thing I was just going to say was like I kind of skimmed this issue and much to much much to my I so I. I've said this before. I don't like U.S. Agent, but I also like Priest writing. So this one kind of tore me up a little bit. I'm not supposed to like U.S. Agent, which is funny. Yeah, yeah, but you know, even when he was with uh, the the uh, the 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 wackos, I was like, I hate this fool. But um, but it was worth reading. This I mean, it was worth skimming this issue just to see him get his ass handed to him in the beginning uh, in the the first part of his book by this by this person he ends up meeting, right, uh, and running around with. Right. I mean, obviously, there's there, there there's some uh, uh, racist tropes that get played on, and I kind of chuckled to see uh, to see priests throw them right back at John Walker, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, next up, um, crossover number one. This is an image book by Donny Cates that uh, Rycat thought I was going to roll uh, into, but I am saving the X books for last because I know that we'll probably both have something to say about it this issue has been teased in our news as well as solicitations as a possible multi-company crossover and obviously when we're talking about image it's a publishing imprint that 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 covers several companies you know going back to it's a found to its founding uh between Wildstorm Studios and Extreme Studios and um, Top Cow and, and whatnot, and they've gone on to, uh, you know, replace Wildstorm with um, Skybound. You know, the, the folks um, over at um, Robert Kirkman's shop, and uh, you know, and obviously they've uh, published several books on their own. This, uh, you know, I mean, when I say on their own, uh, in conjunction with the creators, and that's obviously the point of Image, that it's creator owned. This book is proposed to be a crossover between several companies i presumed that meant between um you know spawn top cow skybound i think that's where we're going to end up going but what's interesting in this issue and it's only the mildest spoiler that superman is cited almost i don't know Every other page. And I'm pretty sure this is done um, with the blessing of Warner Brothers and DC Comics. Because there's no way this would have hit the page. You know, there's no way in in, in this day and age of of, uh, people eager to litigate and protect their intellectual property that this would have happened without permission being granted. So it's interesting to see where this might go in the next issue because it is heavily, heavily featured. That character is heavily, heavily featured. Mm. In I terms, I feel of, like I feel like not uh, the imagery, but the name. Right. I feel like uh, the they've done playful, you know, 
and both Marvel and DC have done some playful, you know, mentions of others' characters in in a way, shape, or form at some point. You know, this is more explicit. That's the that's what's interesting. Mm. If you decide to take a peek through this, which I recommend, oh, I just did. Yeah, I just did. I saw a couple of them. Right, it's really more than just a nod and a wink, which is what we usually get. But I'm saying, so, I know there has been like who, you, like I feel like there has been a fairly fairly recent reference to Batman in a Marvel book, you know, mm-hmm. by name. Yeah, right. But this is far more. Like you know, it's like every other. Not uh, you know, I'm obviously uh, engaging in a bit of hyperbole when I say it's every other page, but it felt like it was coming very often as, um, as sure. I was reading the book. Enough to be notable. So, gotcha. Oh, definitely. And the the last page, um, cliffhanger page, is definitely something that um, uh, uh, makes that even more notable, even more so. Uh, the last books that I would recommend that that I would mention are the two Ten of Swords um, books that are out this week. The first one, in order of Ten of Swords reading, is X Men number fourteen, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Mahmoud Asrar and Lionel Yu. Um, this is a meeting between Apocalypse and Genesis, aptly named, obviously. Um, these are, uh, former husband and wife from their days on Arako, and we get a real lesson into how we have come to this point. I'm still not sure I, I... Uh, I don't think I've yet I, I, I've yet to get my hands on the Ten of Swords handbook. I don't know if you've read it or if you went back to see the origin of the Twilight Sword. Uh, yeah, in fact, I think going into reading this issue, I kind of did a, a quick wiki because I knew, like you, knew where it came from, you know, Searcher, and you know, and, and from that part of the universe. But this it didn't seem like sword, it had right? anything to do with it. Didn't well. Let me phrase that. It, they didn't especially say anything about that in this issue. But you know, right? I, I mean, my understanding is a different. It's a different sword because the Twilight Sword that Surtur wields in the Simonson books is gigantic. Right. So it makes sense that it's not the same sword, but right. it's so off-putting that they would name another sword the twilight sword or it is and there's going to be some kind of way they're going to you know they're, they're going to flip it some kind but of they way shrunk it exactly yeah did they shrunk somehow we don't know yeah but um but yeah that's what this issue is it's really a recap of the history of Araco and 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 uh we've gotten some of this already with uh you know with some of the other Ten of Swords books, but this is, I think, the most um, complete retelling mm-hmm. of history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's that sounds legit. Yeah. All right. And the last book I'll mention is the following book in the Ten of Swords reading order. That's Marauders number 14, written by oh. Jerry Duggan, Benjamin Percy, art by Stefano Caselli, and colors by Edgar Delgado. This is another strong candidate for Click of the Week because mm-hmm. this is uh, essentially the eve of the tournament between Arako and Krakoa. And it is a dinner hosted by Saturnine to. And I picked up on this and I kind of laughed when I saw Wolverine actually say this um, or at least think this. 
that um, the pigs are being fattened up for slaughter, um, you know, at this at this dinner before the contest. So we get a little bit of foreshadowing in terms of matchups. We get a little bit of foreshadowing in terms of who uh, who is thinking tactically and strategically about what's coming up. I did and like it's that part. Interesting to see. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's and it's interesting to see the development of um, Ilyana Rasputin, aka Magic, and seeing how they are uh, putting that character far more front and center in terms of her role as a combatant and as a tactician and as um, uh, a captain of the Krakoan forces. Mm. You know, it's nice to see her being promoted to you know kind of a pushed up into a role of prominence in this case you right. know and this has been going on for a while now in the in the uh the hawks pox um uh, continuity but it's interesting to see that they're even taking that a step further uh uh in in these ten of sword stories right and even on that note because it's also good to see her you know them you know using her text or or using her as being tactful because you know a lot of times we've especially in in these last few uh in in this uh ex uh the dawn of x stuff we've pretty much seen her saying like all right i'm ready to fight just charge on us into battle and granted and it wasn't up until um empire actually you know and even then she was kind of like all right let's just hit stuff and let's go but even then she was kind of you know we've seen more of her thinking tactically uh, um even you know, even when being impatient and just wanting to go attack stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it is great to see that part of her kind of coming more about, you know, than just her wanting to just run out and hit stuff with a sword, which is, you know, not always a bad thing either. But <laughs> there's more to it that, to, to, to it than her and her than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, interesting right. to see that she, you know, she's obviously far more than what, I remember her, and obviously, I'm not the biggest New Mutants um, expert. Hmm. I almost always saw her as the teleporter, and it's different to me to see her expand from being the teleporter um, and magician to someone who's actively at the front line. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because most of the time we've seen her, she was definitely a teleporter, or and or when some stuff happened in, in Limbo, she's becomes the the, the demonic form with her soul armor and that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's the dark pretty much the two pile, stuff. Yeah. right, exactly, and that's pretty much the two sides that we ever get. To see. We usually only ever got to see of her. So mm-hmm. definitely, this, is, this expansion of her is really good. Uh, as far as uh, my my stuff on this, I was just going to say that. Um, as far as Marauders is concerned, like, yeah, that is some menu. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was, I, cause I was reading this as I was reading this, I was kind of making notes and I was like, well, I guess we'll see what Wolverine is planning in his own book or not. Especially when you read the the, the last page of the book. Um, yeah. I'd say that's an interesting cliffhanger. Yeah. Kind of a dumb move also. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, as they just said, they were sizing up the competition at, at dinner and I kind of liked that part. Um, like Storm's actual dance with death, death as opposed to the the figurative ones that's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and also going back on that point with uh with uh with Wolverine, like I don't know, did you did did it seem his logic seemed a little flawed on blaming Brian about the whole thing? Like like what? 
Oh, like, because I, I did. I don't see how that could have been. Like, I get it because, yeah, I you, but I, I, because I don't I think that would have stopped I've definitely it, been thinking this. Right. I have. Uh, I weird. Have. I'm just like, really? Captain Britain? Hey, look, you, you know, know, shout out for sticking to your morals, but I'm like, I don't think even if even if that had gone down, it wouldn't have changed anything. It wouldn't have done anything. She would have just gotten what she wanted and still done this. Possibly. That's definitely. Listen, you you you. I think have a, a better grasp on the Saturnine character. Hmm. Um, it's still off putting. It's off putting to me to see Roma acting this way after being introduced to Roma way back in Fall of the Mutants. Right. And I'm like, wait, she's not as benevolent as she seemed back then or so, even when she was in um um excalibur well i thought maybe they were playing off of what happened to her character development in excalibur so i'm not oh, sure yeah, probably but you know like i said some of that stuff is still kind of i I've, i have gotten so a lot of uh, some of that stuff that had happened in that book but like they really didn't really give roma that much in this one but right. no, but in terms of right but in terms of just her characterization you know sure. about her, about how uh, the way she is described in the um, the side matter and in captions right. by Tinny Howard and um, Hickman in the in the main descriptions of these books. So right, I feel like that that well, yeah, those descriptions are probably some that are, that are probably on more important at somewhere mm-hmm. that I don't remember reading, but yeah. Um, that being said, uh, let's see, da, 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 that was it for that one. But mm-hmm. uh, going back to the X Men stuff, yeah, the, the whole Apocalypse and Genesis history it, it is what it is. But also, all that history, and I'm I'm saying this again because I feel like this is maybe the case that some of this is probably going to reflect on future stuff, and is probably a parallel on current. Well, probably blatantly a, a parallel on the the current current state of uh, Krakoa because some of that history stuff kind of seems way like what what's the how the state of um Krakoa is right now you know so and it's like maybe as they tend to say the history repeats itself and maybe this is the pretty much the catalyst for that um and also i don't know if you noticed or uh, back in the x-men thing but uh go if you if you got it on you check page 22 in the last panel if you if you got it uh, X Men fourteen, and check the last panel just tweet, uh, page twenty two because I feel like um, there is a shadow or, or, or a silhouette of a, of a you know of a thing that we have just talked about it in a recent book that is uh, that is in that panel or maybe that's just the way that thing looks. Um, but yeah, we definitely get uh, the explanation on why why Arako uh, um, is marching to Earth, and uh, that every time that I see them mentioning Annihilation, I keep thinking Annihilus and the event, and I'm like, I know good and well that they're not tying that stuff into this. They're just basically saying Annihilation, right? <laughs> so. You know, it's it's unfortunately, you know, if you are as you know, admittedly well read as we are. In comic book lore, especially you know during the pandemic, now that Roddy Cat has read Annihilation, mm-hmm. uh, it's weird to see these names repurposed, like Twilight Sword. You right. know, 
Right, because that would be a real bummer if it's like a, suddenly Anolis did show up and was like, "Hey, I was the one that was behind some of this, which has nothing, which wouldn't make any kind of sense." Exactly. <laughs> I this. doubt that highly, but it's oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that, it's weird to see the name being repurposed. Right. Like all of a sudden, annihilation comes while they're fighting, and like, wait, what? Really? But that's, right. I, I seriously doubt that's going to happen. But also, I feel like uh, the, there's part of this is like this is as much uh, fantasy. Uh, as that last run of Black Panther is to sci-fi, uh, sci-fi. Just, just putting that out there, especially in the the pacing of the the story. But yeah, you know. I can see that. Yeah, I can see. That. But in the, but in the case, did you you see the page I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. When you say page 22, do you mean in the PDF? Yes. Okay. So. Yeah, because I don't know if the, I don't think the as far as I know the 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 pages won't match up physically. So we're talking about the shadow. Like last panel, you'll see. Um, you'll you'll on see left of the panel. Huh? At the, the shadow top, on the left of the panel. Uh, at the well, the, at the last panel, look at the kind of near the top. You'll see a figure that looks like uh, the phoenix, or maybe that's just me. I don't know if you see it or not. And I would show it, but I don't want to, you know, we don't want to go. No, no, exactly. Right. We don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, I don't see, I was about to say, I don't see it. We're talking about X-Men, right? Yeah. X-Men 14 uh, on, on the, on page 22 of the PDF. There's like, um, like you'll, you see in the last panel, like you'll see at the top of the last panel, you'll see something that almost kind of well, it kind of also looks like the rebel, the rebel alliance uh, symbol from Star Wars, but it also looks like the phoenix. And I don't know if that was intentional or that's just Ooh. the way that looks. And I didn't know whether you noticed that or not. It's it's probably don't even worry about it. <laughs> we're talk, I was about to say we're talking about uh, oh, I see in green. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, I see. I, I my my instinct said that that was just you know this this energy formation this portal just artistic style sure exactly yeah that's that's how I saw that so yeah but I looked at that and I was like wait is or is, is, is that has something to do with it because we know the Phoenix Force is still around so it's not like you know it's not outside of realm of possibilities that they could incorporate that into the X corner. Um, as we're apparently going to see in uh, um, Avengers next month. Avengers, right. Yeah, so... Uh, but regardless, I just saw that and I was like, I was kind of curious about that. So we can go ahead and move on. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else or that was it. Uh, for you? No, that's it for me. Okay. Uh, that being the case, we'll go on to my books. And we'll start off with... Star Wars number eight. Uh, we find out how Zara ended up being on the one to hunt down the rebels because there is another, and she continues to let her grudge against Leia go uh, go just straight to her head, uh, possibly to her own detriment uh, at some point, but not in this issue. Uh, meanwhile, Luke, Lando, Chewie, and Shara Bay defend against the uh, Imperials in space and kind of open up the, a big W for the, for the rebel Alliance uh, against the trap that they had um, willingly gone into. Oh yeah. And the wedges in here too. Uh, Zara quote unquote chats with Leia while toying with her. 
which uh, kind of likens it to her Wrath of Khan moment almost. Like the the way that whole conversation was kind of going on and the way she was toying with her was kind of like in the way uh, Khan was doing Kirk. Khan! <laughs> yeah, without that part happening. But um, so, yeah, she apparently was... She was she was trying to she was playing around with her food and not eating and then caused her to, you know, not to uh, do the thing she set out to do. But apparently she did, according to what she told her subordinate. And I thought this whole thing was going to go a whole different way. Regardless, uh, next up, the rise of Ultraman number three. Wait, is that? Hold on. Yeah. Okay, want to make sure that was yeah issue number three. Uh, Shin wakes up and finds himself in USB headquarters and wanting to look for Kiki. But uh, Muramatsu, who's in custody, but finds uh, Muramatsu, who's in custody. Meanwhile, Kiki's dealing with a kaiju and a doctor who may have some information that she's seeking. Uh, Ultraman gives Shin the limitations of their merger, and they transform for the first time, going against uh, uh, the same kaiju that Kiki was up against. Um, and the doctor that uh, she was also seeking to find kind of make a choice and uh what happens or what um his uh his freedoms are in, in that case uh let's see let's move right along transformers number 24 uh will jack and a small crew of engineers try to save uh, the moon that they were on after the tether crashed uh huffer is still the optimist i see uh, termagex is uh was a apparently was a an engineer according to illusions in this book and tried to get Wheeljack on her side so Termagex was the pretty much the um, I guess the, the founder and leader of the Centicons who are now being led by uh, Megatron and turning into the Decepticons in this whole thing uh, right before our eyes and uh, I wonder who Cosmos was thinking about which had me think about an old episode of um because I mean of uh, Transformers that had nothing to do with him, so you know, but nevertheless, it was the, whatever it was. Uh, Will Jackson apparently was Gears' mentor, it seems, and this whole issue was an, an, an elaborate setup to yet another miniseries in the Transformers universe. So, yay, I guess, because yeah. apparently at the end of this book, it, it said to be continued in Transformers Escape or whatever it is, and then the the, the next book is going to be looked like the start of the war uh between the 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 Autobots and the Decepticons uh it seems but we'll see when we get to that point speaking of transformers my little pony transformers number 4 i believe this is the last issue of this book actually it is the last original especially how it ended but uh the insecticons in, invade applejack's farm and she has had an in-game moment uh thanks to discord uh, and the inevitable final big battle erupts again. Spike, not that one, in an exosuit. Cute. Uh, and you can, there's a one part in it where you can kind of think, uh, you got the touch. Because, of course, as Pony and Autobot leader come together in vanquishing the, um, the, uh, the, the Decepticons and whoever the, the bad guy's in and My Little Pony, you know, is... Uh, kind of happens off, and then they they leave on good terms, and the Cybertronians get back to uh, Cybertron, to which causes um, Optimus to blast the the uh, space bridge that took him. But it sounds like, uh, thanks to Soundwave, there may be plans for another sequel 
<laughs> to this uh to this crossover at some point. This 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 was a weird but slightly cute um uh miniseries, obviously geared towards uh younger kids, but there was there was just nothing in here to be like, huh, that's actually kind of amusing the way some of the things played off in this miniseries. So if you feel up to it, check it out. I don't know. Uh last but why not yeah, last but not least, Mighty Morphin number one. So I will go into this saying that I have not been keeping up with um the the Power Rangers books as of recent. Um I know the the one there's one book that ended to go starting into this one. So some of this book is kind of taken up from some of that stuff. Um which means that we are pretty much in season two or three uh, season two or three of actual Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the show because we find uh that um Tommy's in a white tiger uh white tiger uh Zord armor you know uh armor and then of course we have Rocky Aisha and Adam in the fold and I guess the uh like Jason and them had already left maybe in the the previous issue or maybe in the previous volume of um the the one of the Power Rangers books uh, and it seems that there's a new Green Ranger around, and it's not Tommy, but we don't know who it is, but although I have a sneaking suspicion of who it might be, uh, even though I haven't really been keeping up with the book, because there's a character that kind of comes comes up in the, um, that had been coming up in the beginning of the old books that it could very well be, and I think they alluded to this character might have been a possible recruit uh, for the Power Rangers. But regardless, this self-same character is someone, if it's the case, the self-same character is one that Tommy don't really care too much about because of this character's dealings with Kim. Um, but anyway, uh, we also get a little here's history on pre-disembodied head Zordon. Uh, and again, this, this character, um, you know, like the Tommy doesn't really like this character because of uh, his ties to, to uh, Kim. Also, Skull's girlfriend is not what she seems. May have something to do with Zordon. Uh, and also, well, like I said, I make my prediction on whoever this, who the new Green Ranger might be. But yeah, there we go. So, also, if, you, if, you, if you've been into the um, Power Rangers books, something to catch up on. But it seems like, again, it's something that is kind of going off of stuff that's already been presented in the last volume of... Um, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the book. So you will find yourself scratching your head as to why why some of the things is going on in this book. And that is it for me. Uh, clicks oh. of the week. And we already got a couple of clicks of the week from the our erstwhile partners here. Uh, we have. Sweet Tooth, The Return, number one from Dirt, who apparently says that um, it's a click of him because he avoided solicitors like the play for the last few months and forgot, and, well, and didn't even know that one of his favorite series was returning. And now after reading this, he's freaking out and trying to figure out what's happening. <laughs> um, and yeah, for heard good things about this series, just never, you know, never tried to jump into it. Sure. The, the weird thing of for it, about it for me as coming from video games is like I think Sweet Tooth and I'm thinking um, uh, Twisted Metal, which is a video game series that okay. had a, so I'm like I don't think I don't think this has anything to do with that. I'm fairly Wait, certain was it that doesn't. The, was that the clown truck? That is correct. Oh my god, I can't believe I remember that. 
But yes, that is absolutely correct. And I'm fairly certain that that has nothing to do with this. Um, and for Tim, it is Avengers 38 for him. It says lots of foreshadowing for next year, which, yeah, there's sure there's some truth to that. Um, and that is it for them. Do you have yours? Yeah, I was in between a few books. I definitely liked the Marauders book this week because I liked some of the character development uh, in the book. And I, I, as much as I don't believe in what happens is going to stick, uh, you know, in terms of what happens on the cliffhanger page, mm. um, I think that's going to stick at all. But I definitely just like the overall uh, story told in the issue. Um, I liked how they featured Storm. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think I'm going to go with my 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 gut reaction and go with Thor number nine hmm. because I really enjoyed what they're doing with Donald Blake. Great, which means now you got me more curious about what that actually is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Excuse me. Well, for myself, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go with the Guardians because that was definitely a particular good week. And yeah, I, I'm kind of agreeing with um, with uh, everything that Agent uh, Seven said about Marauders. Um, um, I mean, I was also would give a nod to, to Black Widow for this week because of that that uh, that two page. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely going with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number eight for my click. And with that, uh, can we get an ad read, please? First ad read of the night is for Blue Apron, Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you. Go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we go into the news. And as we do, we're gonna we start off with cinematic news. But first, we're actually going to uh, before we get into the news, we're going to talk about a little something, something, something. So, uh, if you have not watched uh, the Mandalorian season two uh, episode one yet, we're not going to necessarily spoil it, but we will talk about it. So I'm gonna ring the bell just in case. Yeah. So uh, feel free to fast forward for anyone listening or to just put us on mute if you're watching live on video right now. Um, needless to say, just like a lot of other people, I would just go ahead and say that I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> it was glad to see this this thing back, you know. Um, and I think I... After watching, I think I already had the title for this here episode of the show of uh, of Comic Book Chronicles, so <laughs> uh, which was probably one that I should have had like when the series first started. But that's a whole nother situation. If that ends up being the case, then you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, 
Yeah, I just, like I said, I'm trying to think about what to say without spoiling. I actually took some notes. Well, I mean, there's a, I was about to say, I took notes too. It's funny that we're both consulting <laughs> our notes, right? You probably typed yours. I wrote them out because yeah. I'm old school in that regard. But um, like, uh, you know, lightly, you know, kind of dancing around spoilers. Yeah, there's going to be some. And understanding, right. And understanding what's already been revealed through episode trailers and images and whatnot. The very first thing that popped in my mind is that uh, Timothy Oliphant has good hair? I mean, and what? And, and it's not surprising to see him in a in a western in a sci-fi western type situation, <laughs> or western right? At yeah. least a western type situation. Because I'm not I'm not that well versed in his work, but I understand that he played uh, a sheriff type right. in Justified. Deadwood and Justified. Right. So this is not exactly a, a departure from him. It's actually more of a playing to playing to character. Well, he also played Hitman, to- um, a Hitman in the in the which is a video game character, but it's the the name stands for itself because he was a Hitman in that. So yeah, so he's he's done some different. But, but every time I've seen him, he's like looked real different. Like he's one of those characters, like kind of Carl Urban, where every time you see him, he's kind of looks just different with the exception of probably like recent stuff but you know right i didn't i didn't even realize that was him on the office um who um Tim yeah, well, yeah he was in the office for a couple episodes oh really no shit mm-hmm. i never really watched our office office like that so i mean this is something that i tried to watch during the pandemic so sure. it's relatively fresh in my memory um but i i'm pretty sure i fell asleep here and there in a couple episodes so <laughs> you know, there might be some things i forgot um, you know, in terms of uh, episodes, but um, going through his IMDb, I just kind of laughed when there's a there, there's a scene where um, where, where uh, Oliphant has to take his um, helmet off, and you know, like I said, we're mildly spoiling things. He has to take a helmet that he's wearing off, and I'm just like, man, he didn't no helmet head. No hair. <laughs> I know, right? I, I'm like, how do you in the like, world? You got good hair, man. I know, right? Like, what kind of product That's do you why have? I good hair. Right. Because when I saw that, I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that. Because like, how? What kind of product are you using that holds up even <laughs> like <laughs> holds up under that kind of helmet? You know. And granted, obviously behind the scenes, he probably didn't have it on for that long. But even then, it doesn't take right. long to mat down hair. So exactly. I just laughed at that. I was like, really? You got good hair. Man. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I had that same issue. That. Yeah. I had that same issue. I didn't write that down, but I thought uh, that was something that was going to stick with me anyway. But, um, we definitely got some references in this going back to, uh, to return of the data, but just to kind of pick on the, what actually happens in the episode, um, uh, Obviously, after he's been, and he says this a couple of times in the, in this episode, which is kind of funny, he's been quested to take uh, to take the child to to take Baby Yoda back to his people. Which at this point is like, well, wait, does his people the Jedi or his people whatever race that um uh Yoda is or Yoda and Yakko are? Which I assume would probably take him back to take. Well, they won't take him to take him back because that's not where they're from. Regardless, um, you know that that is the question which may or may not be answered during the course of this whole thing but um he ends up going back to Tatooine and I saw some chatter online about about that happening from a couple of comic creators including one Charles Soule well well yeah no he was he wasn't necessarily a part of that but it was like Jim Zub and Charles Zub because like Jim Zub had retweeted about um basically 
going back to Tatooine when there's other planets and you can make other planets. And, and Charles Soul was like, okay. <laughs> um, so well, they even but, mentioned what's funny is that they even mention it here, you right. know, in the in the episode. They're just like, what? Well, I've been there. There's nothing of that, you know. You know, why are we going back there? Right. Oh, so, so that was you know. pretty funny. Um, but that means feel, I mean, yeah, I feel like I've said this before. I felt like I was, you know, living through another Dune episode. I think I said it for the trailer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I've never really watched Dune all the way through, but I was like, are we are we in a a, a Dune phase now? Eh, I mean, by virtue of being tattooing, probably. I mean, you know, there's, you know, sure, <laughs> right. Like one one came one well one came kind of came before the other, but still, it doesn't. You know, I, I see why you, I I know definitely why you say that because of what happens. You know, was especially with what goes on in this in this uh, episode. But um, but yeah, because he's tasked to take uh, the Mandalorian, taken tasked to take Baby Yoda back to his people, which whichever people that may be, which I actually called it funny because in the recap, and we talked about the recap before, because the recap talking about uh, goes back, kind of mentioned some lines that was said said in the previous uh, season, um, that as Agent Seventy is want to say sounds more like D and D than anything else because of the fact that he keeps mentioning that he's he's on he's been quested. To uh right. to bring the, the child back, which and they talk about you know they talked about the Jedi's as a race of sorcerers, which that's not necessarily the case, but you know, uh, so I, I I see what they're doing there, but it's it's kind of funny to just kind of have it you know picked up on like that. But regardless, he ends up going back to Tatooine with and uh, ends up trying to find um, another Mandalorian. Which, if you know of the other Mandalorian in the the Star Wars franchise that has anything to do with uh, Tatooine, you will probably know who will get referenced. And sure enough, that does happen in this story without giving it a whole kind of way. And even we may, you know, may possibly even get have seen the person at the end of this episode. Um, go ahead. You're gonna say something? I was gonna add the character that uh Timothy Oliphant plays is actually not a new character to the Star Wars universe. Right. It's actually someone who's been introduced in the literature um in the novelization. Right? Was it an EU character or some one of the newer ones? One of the newer ones okay. as of 2015. So gotcha. it's definitely one of the newer ones. So um uh because I was curious to see where this character um, you know, right. to, to learn more about this character and and, and come to find out that uh, this character is not new at all. Right. Which actually kind of brings me to that point like, real quick, and I won't belabor it too much. So, like, yeah, I've seen a couple of articles about how, quote unquote, important this character is to the Star Wars. I, I don't believe that he really is. Because um, I also kind of did a, a nice little search on, on the, the character about him. Like, yeah, sure, he's something. He's been around for a minute, but whatever. I'm like, I feel I was like the, important as a side character. You know, like one of the more you know, like depending on what part of the Star Wars universe you're looking to dive into. Sure, you know, if you're Jedi focused, not that important. Well, you know? and even even with or without that, it's like oh, whatever. It's just some random human white dude or like whatever. Um, but I think the more important character in this one was Joe. <laughs> uh who not necessarily was or you know um i i want to know her story because she just don't but all she she just does this one thing and she just she, we never see her again but nevertheless um like there's a story there that i feel like that's probably more compelling than 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 this dude's story and that's just me um 
but yeah, but on this quest, like I said, I do love the fact that the Mandalorian, which, which we, I think we've seen before, he knows Tuscan, and that kind of comes into play a couple of good times, including they, the the Tuscan, Tuscan version of uh, ASL that is used heavily in this, and how the ignorance of the the humans that they're, that are involved, um, kind of makes makes things good for the Tuscans in the end, without spoiling that part about it, right. Um, but basically the humans in the small town and the Tuscans have to work together to get rid of this, um, um, some say quite notable reference from, uh, Star Knights of the Old Republic and probably a couple other places in the EU and whatnot. And even going back to, again, the aforementioned Return of the Jedi, uh, because of a couple of references that, um, that may or may not play directly into each other uh in this but uh th- but basically the mandalorian and this and this cop dude turns into monster hunters for this one ep- episode and um and and th- some things may or may or not have been learned by the humans because i i love i think i say in my notes like i leave it to the dumb humans to want to cause more trouble despite causing it in the first place of course what what I what I laughed at was the fact that they actually made the Tuscans finally finally fleshed out characters. Yes, for the entirety of and and forgive me, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, I am not well versed in um, Star Wars literature. Just not. Mm-hmm. I never picked up any of the literature. Um, that became the extended universe, not picked up any of the literature that has been used to fill in some of the gaps since Disney took over Lucasfilm. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something, there's something to be said for seeing these characters who have literally been just rando snipers in the desert on Tatooine, you know, Rando, you know, people who are just out there. Uh, the Jawas are given more characterization mm-hmm. than these character than, than than the Tuscans. So it's it's interesting to see that they are far more sympathetic than they've ever been now on screen. And um you know it's 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 uh um it's informant, you know, it's informative and it makes you think back to the last time that they were even mildly, mildly sympathetic because uh, um, all we have to think of is the women and the children too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, going on that, I definitely like how the, the Tuscans are, are, are portrayed as, you know, not the, you know, not the evil scavengers as, as they've been portrayed in the past. Like, yeah, because they even make a point of like, yeah, they are raiders, but like they're not going to do anything that without provocation either. Right. Yeah. And they're hard. I think isn't that what they say that they're harsh or something like that? That they can be. Yeah, there's I something believe. along those lines. Yeah, but, but yeah, but it, they're uh, not. But yeah, right. And and in relation to what I mentioned earlier about um about the women and the children too. You know, there's lots of sand in this episode. I hate it. It gets everywhere. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn it! <laughs> you just couldn't. I was like, I was just, I was hoping he wasn't going to do it, but yeah, here you Lots go. He just... of sand <laughs> everywhere. It gets into everything. Um, 
Anyway, there, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, also going well past that, there's probably going to be at least one article, and I'm going to see if this bears out, or maybe because I'm saying that it might might not happen, but there's probably going to be a, one article that alludes to some sort of pot, some sort of pod racing or pod racer, right? Bait, thanks to uh, Cobb's uh, speeder, yeah. I noticed that too. I thought I thought of that when I saw the articles. Like, oh yeah, maybe. Um, Without spoiling the entire episode, I would just say that um, if you're looking for uh, Moff Gideon, nowhere to be found. Yeah, except for in the. So here's I'm gonna tell you real quick what I did. So I watched the uh, the recap for season one. Didn't necessarily need to. I watched the recap cap that is on Disney Plus before actually watching the episode. But apparently you don't have to because it's right there, right before the episode, like you would expect it to be in the situation like this. So I basically watched it twice. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but and that's pretty much the only time you're going to see Miles Gideon, which mm-hmm. I guess we'll mm-hmm. we'll we we'll get some side news on Miles Gideon later in the, later in the uh, in the uh, thing. Right. But, and last last in terms yeah. of the non spoilery stuff, John Leguizamo makes an appearance here as a voice character, maybe under a lot of makeup. Yes, that is correct. So I when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, "What?" So I'd kind of been. Back, Right, because I had kind of been, right. I kind of been spoiled on that because of uh, an article uh, before going into the episode because I had just watched the episode like earlier today. Um, But uh, what was I going to say? I probably wouldn't have picked up on it at the time, not because of the fact that well, because I had a a heater on because it was cold this morning. So and I had to, so I was pretty much like I normally do you know, watching with the subtitles. Like, I could hear him, but I couldn't really tell if it was him or not. And plus, he was under a lot of makeup, so there was, you know, that kind of does something to the to the voice. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But he's, and, not, he's not uh, foreign to the idea of voice acting, but what's funny correct. is that I think he's in Ice Age. Is it Ice Age that he's in? The probably. animated movie? It's probably one of them, if not all of them, yeah. I, he's in one of those, uh, he's in one of those um, animated series, uh, animated film series, and his voice, at least, uh, you know, the, the, the affect that he put on his voice in that character, you can still tell it's John Leguizamo. Right. So in this case, I had to listen pretty hard. So that means he was definitely putting on a lot of, um, of style. And like you said, maybe he's under a lot of makeup, which affects it too. But it, yeah, yeah, I was definitely taken aback by seeing his name in the credits in order of appearance. I was like, what? Right. Where was this? And I was like, you know, like going back. Right, because if you th- even if you think about it, you think about um, like let's say Nick Nolte, when his character was was still in play, like you would have probably not known it was him right off the bat unless you listened really hard. And even then, you know, like huh, that was kind of a hard hard tell at the time unless you knew really knew what he sounded like recently. I was about to say, but his 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 voice is far more familiar off the bat. Mm, I guess far more familiar off the bat. Yeah. But again, and especially if you're of a, a certain vintage, yes. But you know, even then, like I said, that would have been like, "Huh, you like is that him or is that whatever?" But regardless, yeah. So there is mm-hmm. some of that that still kind of comes into play, and you know, um, with the makeup and whatnot. But nevertheless, yeah, it is there is that is the thing that happened. Um. So what else we got going on in this? I think that's pretty much it. Like I said, I can yeah, go into some stuff. Yeah, everything, right? Yeah, like there's, there's I can think to say there's some some points in here that I kind of like, uh, like some little things, like the um, that whole part when they um their first plan that they put in actually with the with the Tuscans, 
that didn't go <laughs> the way it was planned. Right. If you remember that, that was kind of a funny part. Um, the 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 bantha teeth hygiene that part was kind of pretty. I, I don't know, little stuff like that it was kind of funny. I like you know that I, I, I like that. Uh, again, the uh, the reference, to, especially the first reference uh, from uh, the Star Wars series proper. I guess probably uh, well, actually from from A New Hope uh, that we see when he gets to Tatooine, uh, which was pretty cool. Let's just say that there is a, another bot that uh, has su- survived. That um, you know, that uh, yeah, kind of moving slowly. Yes, yes, it's, 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 it lacked motivation. Some would say, um, oh. but apparently, I read about that, and apparently, that was a purposeful. I'm saying, like, really? Because I because I went back and read the the, the wiki on this particular uh, bot, and I'm like, or this particular droid, and I'm like, really? Is that a retcon? Or is that how the, was that was originally supposed to go? Um, yeah, but regardless, yeah, like I said, there there are references to um to to other points of uh like I said, there's a reference to Return of the Jedi in here that were pretty neat in in dealing in what they end up dealing with um at the tail end of this um thing, and like I said, the, t- the Tuscans come out good because of the bounty they get from this thing. Um, the only other thing that was kind of weird to me, and I don't know if you noticed it or not, but notice this was a small ass town, right? Like this was just a little podunk old mining area that, that wasn't even on the map anymore, but they mm-hmm. had enough explosives to take down, you know, I, as I say in my notes, take down, a, right, exactly. a, take down, take down, because it's a mining camp. Right. Yeah. But they still like, okay, if they, even then it's kind of seems like, well, that's a lot of explosives, even if they are that this poor, like granted, um, some of that's probably came from what you caught know, brought to the table also so i got that part but even then it's like there's a lot of ordinance just for you know for them to be yeah. sitting on if they're this poor right so but outside of that it, it was a great episode I, I i enjoyed it and um and again the reveal at the end uh that uh some stuff going into this is referenced especially with what the um, uh, the character of Cobb is holding on was holding on to through the majority of um this episode mm-hmm. is a, a great reveal which i'm pretty sure that's out there now so you may or may not have been spoiled on it at this point already so it would we wouldn't be doing any more than what's already out there but we still won't do it all right just in case and uh shout out to i i believe his name is ludwig uh Gorenson. yeah the the um the yeah, composer for composer the mm-hmm Right, the, the the person behind the music um, for the show, I I, I I won't lie, I always get a kick out of hearing that music, and I'm yes. like, you know, it's 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 almost Pavlovian at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know as if you saw. I don't it, know if you're yeah. just like, oh, okay, I, I'm 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 down for the show now. Exactly. You know? I don't know if you saw it, but there was a uh, it was a pretty good clip or a gif. Well, it was a kind of a clip where uh, had um, a part of Lilo and Stitch. I don't know if you remember Lilo. Have you seen Lilo and Stitch? I have. So you remember the part where Lilo and Stitch kind of goes into Lonnie's uh, bedroom while she sleep and wakes her up with the, the record player. I don't know if you remember no. that, but regard. So so basically, that scene gets played out. But when Lilo puts Stitch's finger down on the record player, it plays a Mandalorian uh, theme, and, and she keeps <laughs> opening up his mouth and it keeps playing. You know, playing. Now I was like, all right, I don't know whoever did that. That was pretty great. 
That's pretty funny. All yeah. I have to hear is doom. Exactly, and, like, oh, and that's snap. what you, and that's what you hear. You're like you hear that, and then you hear a little bit of more when he opens up and opens and closes his mouth. It's pretty cool. I have to look that up uh, and send it to that's you. Pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, like you know, it's it's Pavlovian at this point for me, at least. <laughs> as soon as you hear it, just like all right, it's Mandalorian time. I'm down. You yeah. know. So, all right, cool. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of news stories here. Uh, related to uh, The Mandalorian. Take it away. We'll start off with uh, The Mandalorian actor Carl Weathers reveals Grief's ulterior motives in season two. Now, granted, Grief doesn't show up in this episode except for the the, the recap or whatever. Uh, the last time we saw Grief, uh, Carl Weathers and Cara Dune, Gina Carano, they had just helped The Mandal- Mandalorian and Baby Yoda escape from the clutches of the evil Moff Gideon. Uh, the pair, nor Gideon, appeared in season two premiere, which we just said, but we do know they will appear again in the series going forward. Um, speaking to breakfast television, Toronto, as reported by screen rant, whether this sees his character arc going forward, as well as the upcoming episode, he is directed. Oh, nice. Uh, the, the actor said that we can expect grief. And so, uh, editing folks, editing, good gracious. Uh, we can, the, the, the actor said that we can expect grief, uh, to be having quote unquote fu- having fun doing what he does, being duplicitous in season two. Uh, he pressed further for more details, whether added a little more. I personally like the fact that he doesn't divulge a lot about himself because I think in some way, uh, the less you know, the more interesting you are in knowing. That's actually kind of true. And grief plays things pretty close to the vest, so I think we that we in the episode I directed. Uh, flex, flex. We hint that the there might be some ulterior motives in grief's desires and what he's after, his goals. And I personally think that's more than enough. Now, granted, we know this character. We we pretty much knew this character had some things going on, and we knew he had some, you know, he's got he's got some motives of his own in what he does. Like that became apparent, you know, when he was even introduced. Uh, so. This is not that big of a surprise, but it's good to know that we'll get to, you know, I guess who will may or may not get to see what that's all about in this season. Also, I don't know if you noticed uh, that um, most of the majority of season one's episode were like between 35 and 40 minutes. And this was close to an hour. Mm. So um, I didn't notice because it just seemed to move. Right. Because they're doing a lot of stuff. Right. Like even even uh, the season like yeah even season one stuff like yeah as short as those episodes were they felt like they kind of felt like an hour even though they weren't but mm-hmm. like you said they moved in enough that you didn't even matter that you didn't uh, worry about it so much so and that seems to be continuing so far um, yeah another episode uh, later on but anyway next up all right all right next up big big spoiler warning here ringing the bell well again for the Mandalorian. Uh, the Mandalorian season two premiere features a major Knights of the Old Republic callback, the Bioware developed video game, no, which um, I already referenced. But yeah, what's that? I said which I had already referenced when I was uh, right. Uh, so um, if you're familiar with that game, a lot of the things that happen this in this episode are callbacks to some of the. Um, tasks that you have to undertake in that video game i did not play knights of the old republic like that so i did i I didn't get to that point though yeah yeah so i may have touched it once or twice but not like 
uh, like Roddy Cat said, to the point where um, there are a couple of tasks that are very, very familiar. Um, and if you see them in this episode, it's definitely uh, a pretty um, it's it's a pretty clear parallel. It's actually a direct, uh, especially with what they end up doing in the Mandalorian in in one of the well their initial the the their initial plan that I that I alluded to is pretty much something that happens in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't necessarily go the same way, but yeah. So you end up pretty much doing the same thing you you uh, you you're doing in the game, but with with your party of four and not like a half a dozen people. Right. <laughs> As the Mandalorian did. Anyway. Well, more than half a dozen. But yeah, well, yeah I think that's yeah. all that remains though. I think well, yeah. them get yeah, wiped yeah, yeah. out. I mean, we didn't see more than half a dozen at any given time, but they definitely, you know, there were, there were more little rocks on the ground than, <laughs> right. than, than was stated. Uh, you, you have to watch the episode to see that. Um, but yeah, so uh, we already I already mentioned the great dragon. The great dragon is pretty much the the thing that we're talking about here. So, I was, uh, and that is also a thing from Nice Little Old Republic, which this uh, article is talking about. And there you go. And of course, we saw it in you know yeah we saw the bones in a New Hope. So you know, mm-hmm. there we go. But it also ties again to something that's in um, Return of the Jedi, which was also, I find amusing. Anyway, next up, uh, the Mandalorian season two premiere features an unlikely link to Return of the Jedi, like I just said. Um, uh, this also, just to paraphrase this article, uh, and not to spoil some of the the, the those parallels, because that is something you might want to check out for yourself. But we definitely get. Um, I don't know. They're acting like we haven't seen Weequay before, but we haven't seen too many live action Weequay. Like we've seen them mostly in uh, Rebels and Clone Wars, right? I was about to say animated. We have, right? Exactly, but but live action we hadn't seen too many. But you know there is there is also that, uh, and of course there were some. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there were some Weequay at the Sarlacc pit uh, when you know in Return of the Jedi. So that is also another thing. Uh, but like I said, won't won't spoil the rest of it because there's there's a couple things you might want to. Yeah, that get alluded to that uh that actually kind of confirm. I can't remember if it was a long running theory or if it was one that actually played out in a EU book uh, involving a character, a notable character. And that's all I will say about that. Yeah. Next up. All right. Next up. Um. The Mandalorian teases who might have found Fennec Shand in season one. Um, this is more spoilerific territory. Yeah. Uh, also, going back to season one, obviously, because of where this character mm-hmm. comes in, at. and I almost went back and watched this episode to 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 recall that. Um, but I didn't. But yeah, we won't we won't go too too, too far into this because yeah, it basically there's a there's a couple of people who um who show up in this effort one more prominently than the other may or may not have been to one to find the body of uh, one uh, uh, Phoenix Shan played by um, um, Ming-Na Wen. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Watch the episode, folks. Next, they don't necessarily allude to that, but I think this article was just like a, I don't think they ever said anything about her or that, uh, but I think this article just draw this, drew this conclusion on its own. 
Right, and it's definitely a big hint. Right. You know, I mean, it's a big, it's it's a big callback because um, you're trying to figure out what actually is happening in that scene on Tatooine. Exactly. Right. And so, it just kind of left it because we thought it was it something is. that was going to come back during the course of the season, but never does. Right. Uh, last on the, the Mandalorian front, and I will go ahead and put this in here because I thought it was cute anyway. So we could just kind of put all that out. Uh, Mandalorian Baby Yoda oil painting joins London's National Portrait Gallery. So uh, apparently, and I, I had to make sure that this was actually a real deal or just as some kind of you know, whatever. But apparently that did actually happen because I've seen a couple of places picked it up, not saying that that couldn't have been a hoax. But anyway, uh, a baby Yoda and the Mandalorian oil painting joins London's National Portrait Gallery. Uh, the hype has been growing exponentially, exponentially for the highly anticipated second season of this plus original series. The Mandalorian season one was hit. We already know this. I'm trying to figure out. So visitors to London's National Portrait Gallery are from... October 30th to the 31st, which apparently is already gone at this point, so boo. But um, visitors of the the gallery will be able to view an incredibly detailed Baby Yoda and Mandalorian oil painting titled The Mandalorian and and the Child. The painting will be a part of the Mandalorian-themed display, which also includes includes, uh, original concept art from the show. Um... Uh, fans have to act though because like I said it was October 31st which is over with now so you missed it if you were in London or and didn't get a chance to uh, check it out but according to the Hollywood Reporter the oil painting will hang beside portraits of other famous Star Wars figures including Sir Alex Guinness uh, which I'm assuming in full Obi-Wan gear so yeah there you go that was the thing that happened it's a little late now if you know if you were trying to go see it but i don't know i'm kind of curious as where that painting is now mm. uh move right along i guess we're gonna wrap back right. around to the beginnings um, yeah because that is the end of the mandalorian news so um in the big you know uh i hate to call it big news mm. um Sean Connery, the Scottish actor who originated the James Bond character on film, uh, died peacefully in the Bahamas on November 1st after a long illness. He was 90. His son, Jason Connery, confirmed the news to the BBC. Uh, Famous for his dashing good looks, uh, strapping physique, and abundance of charisma, Connery was the first actor to portray Agent 007 in film, starring in seven entries in the franchise from Dr. No to Never Say Never Again. He was also an Oscar winner for his supporting turn in Brian De Palma's The Untouchables, his sole nomination from the Academy, and he received two BAFTAs, including an honorary fellowship award. He was awarded a knighthood in 2000, and he named the dog Indiana. Actually, and yes, and also, you, he puts one of yours in the hospital, you put one of his in the morgue. There you go. From the Untouchables. Also played in League of uh, Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is also based, if I'm not mistaken, based off of a graphic novel. But a lot of people like to forget about that movie, which uh, it was his last film. Great. Yes. Um, and of course, I know there was. I'm pretty sure somebody brought up Zardos at some point in time during the during the course of this, but because that's a thing that ends up happening. If you don't know what Zardos oh, is, also I was about to say, and also welcome to the Rock. Oh yeah, I definitely wasn't going to go too much farther without without um, 
that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Brendan, I saw a story. Um, I saw another story. I was speaking of that, talking about um, he was pretty much yelling at uh, Fox or whoever it was to give uh, Bay more mo- more money so he could actually do you know do uh, with the do what they wanted with the movie. And I was like, yeah, I kind of believe that if that actually happened, I kind of believe it. <laughs> it's funny. So, but yes, um, uh, you know, our, and I also believe that uh, at the end of it, he was, the, I saw reports that he was suffering from dementia. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, that's yeah. a sad way to go. Yeah, and having had, ex- having had experience with, um, you know, having a, a loved one uh, with dementia, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it is a night, it is a, it's a not great thing to, 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 to see. Yep. So to, to have to experience and I would not wish it on the person or anyone around them. Uh, that being said, like I said, uh, rest in peace, Sir Connery. Uh, next up, though, on 007 News, uh, Lashana Lynch confirmed as the, I want to say, uh, new 007 and not the new 007 but I've also seen reports of she's going to replace I think even this article says but regardless uh, it's confirmed as the new 007 in No Time to Die which has been long speculated Um, because even this article as it says that the news was confirmed in a recent interview with her uh, from I believe Harper's Bazaar if I'm not mistaken uh, and which will make her the first ever female 007, which is great. Uh, but even this article said that it's not necessarily been confirmed by, you know, she's confirmed it. So that's, that's kind of credence enough in, in a, in a point, but it's also article goes so says, says that, and I don't know if this was just the article saying this, that, uh, she is a 007 and not necessarily may, may or may not be replacing James Bond, who is in also in the movie, you know, as D double seven, but who's also you know uh, who's coming out on of his way retirement. out exactly. So, that's so. Uh, that's something that's understood by anyone who um, has followed um, what's been going on surrounding No Time to Die and Daniel Craig. So exactly. So you know, if she de- if if it is definitely true that she's becoming the uh, 007 going forward, I'm all for it, and I'm just going to put this out here real quick. If you uh, follow or uh, send any news or you know one of these fools that out here that frequents a place like and I even hate to say the name but bounding at the comics uh, <clears throat> or a comics with gate asshole I don't want anything to do with you because they have some really terrible takes and you're a, you're a fucked up person period mm. I don't care if you do it willingly or quote unquote unwillingly there's no way because if you saw the headline that they put on 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 this it's like yeah, i'm not even gonna yeah uh, don't but, them, uh grant them a click so, yeah like i only uh, saw it because i was doing you know i was trying to find because originally when i find this uh, i wanted to you know do a google search to see if it, there was more confirmation on it and i just so happened to see them come up in the, the listing i'm like you assholes believe it anyway next up i believe it. next up uh gorillas the movie uh, this is uh, Gorillas ending in a Z. Alternative band Gorillas are finally set to produce an animated movie, and it looks like the project is heading to Netflix. The news was revealed by Damon Album, who heads up the band, while specific details largely remain elusive for the moment. The musician did tease that the movie will be abstract. Okay. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> that's totally unlike the gorillas' music. <laughs> so, and not surprised. I'm kind of surprised they haven't done so before now because I know there is, weirdly enough, there has been a, a long running theme and lore to the gorillas. Some of it doesn't make it a whole lot of sense, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, part of me, part of me, honestly, I'll be honest, part of me is just like, who? Really? I, but I recognize the name. Oh, I man, you should check out the other you would, music. I think you would like, especially like their first couple albums, because there's some hip hop, there's definitely some hip hop um, influence, and I think you would enjoy it. Um, okay. uh, but yeah, so again, this is. This doesn't feel like that because of a surprise that something like this would eventually happen and surprise it had happened before now. And I know they've been putting out videos for stuff like this article says. So cool. I, I like the gorillas. They're good. They got some good music. Uh, and there's no word on when this is going to happen. If it ever happens, I guess. Yeah, not really. So, okay. Next up, um, peanuts fans petition to bring Charlie Brown specials back to broadcast TV. And as uh, agent 70 said last week, when I, when I showed, when I, when I uh, told him about this article, it's a bit late and it is because Apple's already got their hooks on it. So, and normally both of us are pretty much like petitions, like these stupid prosperous uh, petitions are dumb and you could do better things with time. I'm, I'm kind of almost on board with this one, even though it was already too late. <laughs> admittedly but you know that is because you know being of a certain 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 vintage and having grown up with the peanuts specials every year going into adulthood is is a sad loss uh there's really nothing else to say about that <laughs> next up all right um Star Wars Rebels, a little bit of a Star Wars story here. Star Wars Rebels, and I kind of agree with this. Yep, Star same. Wars Rebels made a huge deal about B-Wings and then abandoned them entirely. I remember this. This was a big deal when, uh, when um, whatchamacallit, like Hera is on a, a quest to, uh, and, and funny that we're always going to use this uh, term now. Mm-hmm. Um, Hera is on a quest to find the latest weapon to add to the Rebel Armada and... Um, uh, a Mon Calamari who's devoted his life to developing a starfighter that was armed to the teeth without sacrificing speed and maneuverability seems to have developed one. And it is the B-Wing, which was never all that impressive in the movies because they decided not to feature it. It was cool in the episode, but then, you know, they never really focused back on the B-Wings again. So well, it's, uh, they, it, yeah, it did show up during uh, Rise of uh, 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 that last Star Wars movie, whose wow name is I can't remember, and it's shown up a couple of times, but not prominently, right? And not piloted the way Hera does it, so right. and doesn't feature. What it is is that because because of the B wings features, uh, it probably took a little bit more to animate in the. You know, in, in the um, what you call it in in the first, you know, in, in the first trilogy. So you never really saw the B wing do all that much because the way they animated in Rebels, the way Hera flies, it was like, oh yeah, why why isn't that more prominent? Right. In the starfighter battles that we see in Star Wars, but you know, I think due to um, movie making limitations, at least back then, there's a reason why they were never really featured. <laughs> 
I guess. But it, it is worth noting, that, which I, I knew in this article uh, goes on to say that, yeah, we definitely have seen the B-Wing um, in, in... Actually, we have seen it in the comics for certain. We haven't seen it as much in comics, but we have seen it. And in fact, as recent as this week's uh, Star Wars... I'm trying to remember. There might have been an actual B-Wing in that because there was a whole there's a whole page or a whole panel where uh, Luke is trying to help out this other the other the other uh, rebels, which I forgot to say earlier, but whatever. Um, help out this other rebel section uh, get their get their starfighters out from the hangar. So they were mm-hmm. trying to take up the flag to, to to help in that endeavor, and then we see the panel of a whole bunch of uh, X wings and Y and B A wings, and I think there might be a couple of B wings in that section that just kind of all flooding out. And it was a really good panel, it was really nicely done art uh, that comes out. But I, I don't remember seeing if there was a B wing in that number. But nevertheless, we have seen them in comics, we've seen them in video games because I think Squadrons, uh, the recent uh, Star Wars games, definitely has a B wing in it. If I'm not mistaken. Taken, or at least references it, or it's probably somewhere in there. But we definitely have seen them in other avenues, just not the um, the live action stuff so much. But yeah, I almost put this in the clickbait session, but then I was like, you know what? I feel like this is good enough to to, to put in a new section, and I'm glad that uh, Agent Seven agrees with me about this, right? Because yeah, it was a thing. Like, why did just bring it up and just like dropped it like, just that quick? Anyway, next up, though, uh, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special Trailer sees Ray meet Baby Yoda. Don't know if there needs to be anything else to say about that, but uh, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special Part 2. I'm going to say it's Part 2. It's not a Part 2 because it's whole, it's his own thing. Got its first trailer on Thursday revealing how Ray will time travel through major events in the saga, including Luke Skywalker's run on the Death Star and a moment with the Mandalorian's Baby Yoda. Uh, the special hits Disney Plus on November 17th and takes inspiration for the infamously bad, this is the article writer's words, and I can corroborate to say, yes, anybody who's ever seen it can corroborate this, infamously bad 1978 holiday special, which feels very old to say, but I am old. Um, it says it kicks off with Ray and the rest of the heroes celebrating Life Day, which is the thing. It says Lando gets a sweet cape. And in the the wake of Rise of Skywalker, which is the movie that I was trying to think of, um, before the Jedi gets a mysterious crystal that sends her on a cross-timeline adventure. So you can watch the trailer at your leisure because it's out there. Next. All right. Next up, um, the fan-favorite X-Men the Animated Series, at least to some fans, um, is available <laughs> to stream. Yeah, that's me mildly hating on that wow. animated series. Uh, not so mildly. It, it was <laughs> it was disappointing. So um, it's really it available wasn't. to stream in its entirety on Disney Plus, and the premium streaming service has heralded its arrival with what it has dubbed an unofficial official trailer recounting Marvel's Merry Mutants assembling to protect the world that hates and fears them. The trailer is drawn primarily from the show's opening season as Jubilee is brought in by the X Men. Professor Charles Xavier is seen leading his students against Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Which we really didn't get too totally much of that during the course of the five seasons that I remember. Like, yeah, we've you know bits and pieces here and there, but not enough as the um, at the opening would suggest. And by the way, I'm gonna say again: if you watch it on Disney Plus, it's a kind of all kind of out of order, and there is a, a chronological guide out there if you're so inclined. And actually, this article mentions that. So there you go. Next up. 
Uh, Marvel teases more story to come for Ant-Man and the Wasps, Wasps Ghost. Uh, Marvel teased that Ava Starr, a.k.a. Ghost, a.k.a. Uh, Hannah John Kamen, Kamen uh, which, by the way, if you haven't seen Killjoys, you should. Great show. Um, the anti-hero in Ant-Man and the Wasp could have her own story explored further in a future story. Please don't kill Bill Bill. Um, <laughs> Please Bill don't, Foster. Bill Foster. Please don't kill him. Uh, anyway, the Roddy Cat forgot his actually. Because uh, uh, I'm thinking of a couple of different of the show. Because I'm thinking, I, yeah. Go ahead. What'd you say? No, I said you forgot your one of your mantras for the show. <laughs> yes, because I got uh, for some strange reason I'm thinking of one too many bills here uh, from what I reason. Uh, but yes, a recent post on Marvel.com breaks, breaks down Ghost's history in her debut film, beginning with her bracing introduction to Scott Lang, Ant Man, uh, Paul Rudd, and Hope Van Dyne, Wasp, Evangeline, Lily. Then peeking, uh, peeling back the layers of her tragic backstory involving a deadly accident, which saw her into a state of molecular disequilibrium, granting her the ability to phase through walls. Uh, while also leaving out the part where she's an Iron Man villain, but that's fine. Um, a lot of things have kind of didn't go the way you think it should in the, in the MCU, but that's just me. Um, regardless, um, this article is postulating that this story could be Ant-Man 3, which doesn't have a release date, or it could something uh, possibly in, entirely different. We don't know. So it is, says here, it also is unclear if uh, John Kamen will return for director Peyton Reed's third entry. Uh, but there's also rumors abound about the potential inclusion of Kang the Conqueror, which we've talked about. Uh, Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man 3, which we've talked about previously. Mm-hmm. So, but we don't know if, the, if there's any credence to that. So we'll see what happens next. Next up, Titans has released the first official look at Jason Todd as Red Hood in the upcoming third season of the DC series with seasons one and two debuting on HBO Max, having debuted on HBO Max November 1st. A teaser video for Titans season three was shared on social media, which which quickly flashed Red Hood's name on the screen before revealing the October 26th date for the for the reveal. And if oh. you're watching the video, you can see uh looks like a mock-up of the... Uh, I guess this might be the actual yeah, um, concept art for the Red Hood, um, which I feel like we may have talked about before um, because of the dude that's playing uh, Jason Todd uh, was making comments about it, how, how good it looks. Um also, and uh, actually, the side um, thing is reminding me of something that I, f- I think we might have forgotten m- to mention in the the Mandalorian talk. But I think also was something that was in some some news we had from last week in the clickbait section. There's been references. There's potential references to maybe Sabine Wren being uh, show also showing up in the Mandalorian too, as possibly you know spec- as speculated by um, some graffiti that shows up in the course of the episode. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if that's true into that. Uh, anyway, next up. Uh-oh. Uh, Justice League star Ray Fisher denounces Joss Whedon's statement. So, yeah, that's, that's this thing is still ongoing between um, uh, um, 
uh, Ray Fisher's claims against uh, Josh Josh Whedon and you know treatment and whatnot on the set of Justice League, uh, and apparently Josh Whedon's people came out with a statement recently to which the actor has responded to uh, in this article. We don't necessarily have to go into all of that, those, those both either statements, but if, uh, if you're so inclined, you can read it in the article in the show notes. Next up. All righty. Next up, uh, Animorphs book fans. Who? Uh, <laughs> Rejoiced when it was announced that the series was going to get a live action film under Scholastic and step up producer um, Eric Feig's production company, Picture Start. Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant, who co wrote the original book series under the pseudonym K.A. Applegate, were also attached to the project as creative voices. Unfortunately, the writing duo recently took to Twitter to announce their exit from the project over creative differences. Hmm. So yes, um, Agent Seventy show, showing his vintage here because as uh, as I've come to find out that Animorphs is more of a '90s kids thing. Because while I remember seeing things about it, I don't think I ever watched the show or um, partaken of anything of it. And I don't. And I'm fairly certain this is not going to have anything to do with the graphic novel that um, that we talked about that is still going on. So. 90s kids rejoice, I guess. I don't know. Uh, uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 officially begins production. Uh, and I guess there's spoilers in here for Season 3, Episode 3, but we won't definitely won't be getting into too much of that. But we will only go so far as to say that... Uh, excuse me. Um, the showrunner, Michelle Paradise... Um, alongside Alex Kurtman has confirmed on Twitter that Season 4 began filming on schedule. Uh, Paradise shared the news just after paying tribute to the writer's room on the show, who she said has done a fantastic job of pulling the scripts together from home during the pandemic. She also mentioned the work done by the crew in pre-production to ensure that sets are safe for filming during the pandemic, saying, it's been a lot. And, uh, of course, you can see the, the tweets in question in the article. And there's also a theory about the, the apparently the troll that's on the show could be a callback. Like I think Agent Seven might have actually uh, alluded to himself, not knowing uh, unknowingly that it could be um, uh, an allusion to uh, the Dax symbiote uh, from Deep Space Nine. So mm. there, there's a theory going around about that. I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen the show to. To, to to know for certain, but it wouldn't surprise me one way or the other, though, honestly, because I mean, there ain't there. Why there are trills that show up left and right? Well, not left and right, but there's trills that show up, but that that's the one of note. So, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, now we will turn ourselves over to the comic book section. To comic book news. And we start off with DC Future State. Uh, Immortal Wonder Woman number one teaser shows off the new adventures of Nubia. And this article is a first look into uh, that that book. Uh, It says uh, writer L.L. McKinney has released a teaser image by artists uh, Althea Martinez and Mark Morales for their Nubia story, which appears in DC 
Future State, Immortal, uh, Wonder Woman, number one, which I still get a kick out of that name because, you know, you know. Um, McKinney is also the author of the upcoming young adult original graphic novel, Nubia, Real One, which depicts a teen version of Nubia finding inspiration uh, from Wonder Woman. But it sounds like it is um, uh, more. It is unrelated to Immortal Wonder Woman's Nubia story. So, there you go. Mm. Uh, wait, does it say when that comes out? Uh, January nineteenth, when Immortal Wonder Woman comes out, which we I believe we will also find out the uh, the about the well will be the the Brazilian uh, Wonder Woman's entry also. So cool. Next up. A new team of legacy heroes called Teen Justice will make their debut during DC Future State, the two-month publishing initiative kicking off in 2021. According to Screen Rant, Justice hails from Teen Justice hails from Earth 11, oh God, Earth 11, and will be introduced in an eight-page story for Ivan Cohen uh, and Eleonora Carlini's DC's. Very merry multiverse in December. The heroes of Earth 11 consist of gender swapped heroes originally introduced in Grant Morrison's The Multiversity Guidebook. Teen Justice Justice's membership includes Aqua Girl, Supergirl, Robin, Donald Troy, Clarion the Witch Girl, and Jess Chambers, aka Kid Quick, a gender fluid non binary flash. Okay. And I don't know if you mentioned the Supergirl, but yeah. Yeah, I did. I yeah. ran through the whole gamut. Yeah, I didn't so, name their names, but yeah. Um, no, no, yeah, it's not. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, if you're watching the the video, you can see the uh, the sketches of uh, all of the characters. They look all right. Sure. Um, I again, I've I've found myself already interested in Future State. Um, leading up to this, and I'll probably check this out. No Green Lantern, sadly, but you know, and no Teen Lantern at that. But, you know, sure, they're going a whole new road. Um, from the death metal corner of DC, DC's uh, mystery god may be key to restoring the DC multiverse. And this is a spoiler for Dark Knight's death metal rise of the new god number one, which is already out. Uh, and it appears that uh, see the circumstances caused by Dark Knight's death metal has pushed most of the DC multiverse to the edge. Dark. Yeah. No, it's not just a multiverse. Excuse me. Almost every reality has been destroyed. That doesn't sound familiar. Almost all of the heroes have been wiped out, and there's only the machinations of the empowered Batman who laughs left to play out. However, there might secretly be a way to restore everything. Secret Wars. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, the Chronicler just proved how powerful his people are and potentially set upon a way to restore the DC multiverse, even if the darkest night succeeds and wipe out all creation. And yes, I know this whole creating multiverses thing is a DC thing before secret wars, but whatever. I was about to say, this is our patron hero, the chronicler. Yes. (laughs) When I saw the name, I was just like, really the chronicler. Yes. Yeah, it could have been worse. Could have been um, uh, what's his face, the crying dude. Oh no, <laughs> Pariah. Pariah, yes. Oh goodness gracious! 
The crying see, dude. See him crying while he saves the whole multiverse. <laughs> yes, anyway, the chronicler, time. our patron hero here at the Comic Book Chronicles. Goodness yes, gracious. indeed. Yes, we have sketches in everyone. We own the rights. That's ours, DC. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, anyway, well, I was about to say it's it's obviously not. You know, it, it's just a it's it's a it's a funny um it's a funny coincidence at them. Uh, 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 you know, in that regard, totally. We are um, our own heroes. Next, yeah. Next up, um, this is something that I kind of picked up on. When I talked about uh, Batman Three Jokers number three hmm. came out last week, um, in Batman Three Jokers, the Dark Knight set out to solve the mystery of the three versions of the Joker. Um, with Batman finally, finally exploring this, it's actually a puzzle that was first introduced way back in 2015. 2015's Justice League: The Dark Side War. During the event, Batman sat on Metron's Mobius chair. Um, which is a powerful artifact that holds all the knowledge in the universe. Of course, one of the first questions he asked, the chair was the real identity of the Joker. To his surprise, the chair revealed that there wasn't one but three Jokers. Um, you know, which led to, you know, the concept of the series. But apparently, um, you know, mild, mild spoiler alert. Um, that's not exactly the case in um, Batman 3 Jokers number three. So... Uh, you know that that um, you know that uh, you know Batman may have already had some info on that regard. So why did he ask the chair that specific question back then? Because it was back then five years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's my editor uh, that's my editorializing mm. that particular question. But fair enough. Um, you know, it, it, it's pretty funny. And yeah, it was like, wait, you, yeah, because if, if it was the case of like, okay, they actually had a question for like five years ago just to come up to this point, like, really? I, like, I know they do some things ahead of time, but that's 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 a reach. But also, I would <laughs> like to point out that Batman, the world's greatest detective, and a lot of y'all's, y'all prop up as being the savior of comic books, stupidly, uh, did not know the Joker's identity, yet he knows everything, supposedly. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Send your hate mail to I really don't care. Next up, um, all-star artists uh, assemble to homage uh, the complete Batman The Dark Knight Returns number one. Let's get past a whole lot of this and basically say that for the past few months, several top-notch comic artists have been sharing on social media their individual redrawings of pages from Batman The Dark Knight Returns. The shadowy hand of uh, Laundry Project could be felt, and Newsarama has discovered that it's the work of an art collector named Christian uh, Casares, along with artist representative Felix Liu of Felix's Comic Art. Uh, the duo is in the process of commissioning modern-day comic artists to recreate the entire first issue of Batman Dark Knight Returns. This follows a similar group art recreations such as giant size X-Men number one tribute to Wayne, Wayne, excuse me, Wayne and Cockrum and Bartkara, uh, <laughs> a recreation of Akira, but matching up with the characters of the Simpsons. Oh, I didn't know that was an actual thing. I was wondering what the hell that was about. Okay. Weird, dumb and weird. Anyway, that's the thing. Um, 
I guess there's a quote here. The real root of it would have been the two pieces I had done in two, 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 2015, Lou says. Uh, for fun, I had Daniel Warren Johnson and, and James Heron do two of my favorite pages. Uh, I wouldn't even have thought about it, about what Christian is doing. Uh, he decided to take it to the most logical extreme and do the whole damn thing of issue one. Artists confirmed to be involved in this still ongoing project are uh, Michael Allred, Jock, Cliff Chang, Ryan Souk, Ryan Otley, James Herron, Raleigh Rosmo, uh, Michael Wash, Andy Belanger, uh, Moriat, and Matt uh, Lesninski. Lesninski, yeah. Sorry if I butchered your name. But there you go. That's the thing. I've had it. Next. The Batman origin gets a new spin in Tales from the Dark Multiverse. Batman Hush number one. Which is out uh, this week. This also came out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is an alternate twisted version of uh, DC Concepts. You know, it's part of this, uh, the Dark Knight's Metal and Dark Knight's Death Metal event. Um It doesn't have any sort of direct relation to the to the story of the crossover, but it definitely ties into the concept, you know. So mm-hmm. it's got a dark slant on these classic DC story. Sure. On this classic DC story. Sure. Okay. Next up, uh, Mr. Freeze's wife gets a voice of her own in Victor and Nora, a Gotham love tale, which also came out this week. Um, DC's young adult graphic novel line puts the spotlight on one of uh, Batman's most notorious villains this week, Mr. Freeze in Victor and Nora, a Gotham love story. Wow. Um, focusing on the time before Mr. Freeze, excuse me, AKA Victor Freeze became one of Batman's most popular villains. Victor and Nora, a Gotham love story shows a time in which he was just a normal teenager discovering what it means to fall in love. Um, but what makes this stand out as an o, as that the OGN uh, what makes it a standout is that the OGN uh, a chance for this wow that's a weirdly done sentence there for this iconic relationship to be more than just a one sided romance and gives a voice to his paramour Nora. Then the rest of the article goes on to be an interview with the author. Um. So yeah, next. All right, Hellblazer takes a Harry Potter turn in previews of 2021 DC middle grade graphic novels. Oh, you're obviously not the target audience for this. DC has revealed new covers and Speak some interior yourself. preview images. What's that? Speak for yourself. Ha <laughs> ha. Totally kidding, but kind of uh, DC has revealed new covers and some interior preview images from a trio of upcoming middle grade graphic novels aimed at readers 9 through 12. Namely, Metropolis Grove, The Mystery of the Meanest Teacher, a Johnny Constantine graphic novel, and Green Arrow Stranded. Yes, a graphic novel for 9 to 12-year-olds starring Hellblazer. Um, sure, I'm with it's it. probably a safe bet that 13-year-old Johnny Constantine has not yet picked up his two-pack-a-day habit yet. Um, or he has. I mean, I don't know. 
Interesting. All right. Uh, the nine ninety nine novels introduced DC's most iconic superheroes, really most iconic superheroes, to a new generation of fans with stories told by some of the most successful authors from the middle grade publishing space. Reads the publisher's description of the line. The middle grade titles are standalone stories, not part of DC's ongoing continuity, and completely accessible to new readers who have no previous knowledge of DC characters. Okay. Uh, H and seventies hate on uh, Green Arrow here, shining very much forth. <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, you know what? Say there, there are. I executively say I know of a couple of Constantine fans, but that might also be because of the actor portraying him. Uh, and going back to Keanu Reeves more than the characters themselves. I'm not going to be the one to judge that, but let's just say probably. Anyway, next up, uh, George Perez's uh, Wonder Woman gets absolute treatment in 2021. So yeah, George Perez is getting a Wonder Woman. His Wonder Woman work reprinted in DC's absolute format created by IDW Scott Dunbier back uh, when he was uh, EIC of Wildstorm Comics. Uh, an oversized thick hardcover reprint on glossy pages with 12 issues or more, a thicker version of the French album format, which then was picked up by uh, DC Comics across their titles, copied by Marvel, and then everyone else, uh, too, including the French. This is from Bleeding Cool, so you got to take whatever from whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some truth to it, but whatever. Um, Absolute Wonder Woman Gods and Mortals will reprint his classic run on Wonder Woman 1 through 13 from 86 to 87, as well as his Wonder Woman work uh, for Who's Who, the definitive director of the DC Universe, number 26, and Who's Who update in 1987 1 through 3. Uh, it's 360 pages long for 125 bucks. Uh, the hey, Wonder... if you're a fan, that's a lot. You, I mean, you're actually yeah. a lot there. True. Yeah. Yeah, you would have to be. Uh, the The volume will be published on the twentieth of July, twenty twenty first. I mean, look, Perez is retired, and his record his work was regarded. And I believe, wait, didn't he? Isn't there already a Teen Titans one? What an omnibus like this! I, I want to say, yeah, an absolute treatment. I'm I don't know if sure. it's an absolute, but I know it's like omnibuses with stuff. But or he has an artist, or is it an artist uh, edition? For some of his old, I can't remember. I'm not sure. I feel like there's a, there's probably some stuff out there for his old, his other work, and they're just getting around to this. Um. So, yeah. Anyway, moving right along. Next up, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment revealed its second pre-order bonus for Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales video game. Early access to Miles' Spidey suit from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in an 11-minute gameplay video. Sony and developer Insomniac Games showed off the suit and its stylish animation style that makes the game feel just like the movie. It really does. It's actually looked pretty cool. You should check it out. I know you're not a big video game fan, but they, they kind of do some justice to the uh, the, the, the film's um, effect of the whole glitchy okay. thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, and I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, everyone... I don't know if it's everyone who pre-orders it or everyone who just buys uh, that game, which is coming out, what, next week, uh, will get that suit. It probably says so here. But, um, yeah. Uh, Let's see. People who pre-order will get the suit on launch day. So, 
Yeah. Cool. Uh, the bonus is early unlocked, not exclusive content. The uh, final process. So yeah, November twelfth is when, which is next week, on PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five. Are you still planning on getting a, a, a console? Just out of curious. I know earlier, way back, yeah, a few okay. months ago, I missed out on the I missed out on the pre order, so I'm just going to be patient. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. You know, I wanted to let that first kind of rush go by because it's not like super high priority, but I definitely want to catch up to the times at least. Yeah. Because as uh, I'm I'm alluding back to uh, Agent 70, granted, this was some back channel talk of uh, Agent 70 may possibly wanting to get a PS4 during the beginning of uh, the beginning of pandemic. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, that was. um, you know, this is something that that spans all the way back to the first Spider-Man game from a few years back. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it wasn't a, it wasn't strong enough to get me to buy it or to get me to commit at least, but it definitely was a thought. And especially um, during pandemic times, having a video game console might have you know might have made spending the time a little easier. I won't lie. It very much has. <laughs> What's that? It very much has. Well, for some people, but then again, I, I I'm much more of a binge watcher than Roddy Cat, so right. you know it's 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 just a different type of uh, pandemic experience for everybody. True. So, but all but, right, so that's that's pretty cool. But um, nevertheless, I will say, if you do plan on getting this, I just have a boot wheel. I'm sure we will talk about this more if that should ever happen. There is, oh, and we've five? talked about this before, huh? And with the PS5, that yes, that in this game, but um, uh, which I know we've talked about before, but um. Because uh, I think this game is going to be fifty, and for twenty more dollars, you can get the remaster of the old, the 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 first Spider-Man game, uh, along with a, in a particular version of this. So, and that's a relatively decent deal. Okay. So, because I think they are start they're trying to push video games up to seventy anyway, but this is, happens to be like a standalone. It's not a full game; it's a standalone uh, kind of thing. Which the right. the differences are negligible, really. Um, and of course, you can get this on PS4 and get a free upgrade to the PS5 version of the Miles Morales game if you bought the PS4 version now. Um, right. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, so that might be something that's you might want to wild that they're looking to push to the price point of video games up to $70 a, a copy. I mean, I've... And for digital downloads to boot. Yeah, I mean, it's been said that, you know, with the rise in, in video game production costs, and there has been some, but a lot of it also is uh, publisher greed, but... 60 it's been 60 for a good while well give or take because obviously like triple a stuff is like 60 and that's the kind of the bar and there are some stuff that still kind of come under that or you know come under that because of whatever um whatever reasons but 60 being the standard has been this way for a good while and yeah there's usually around console cycles new console cycles there's always this talk of it but it this could be the time where it could actually potentially happen it hasn't okay. happened yet, and there, there's still some stuff I've seen coming out like 60, even going into the new consoles, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, that's that's a whole other video game corner for a whole other podcast. Uh, Scarlet Witch casts a spell over Marvel Champions the card game. Uh, so, Fantasy Flight Games will release Scarlet Witch Hero Pack and Scarlet Witch Game Pack, Game Mat, excuse me, for use with uh, Marvel Champions card game in January. Scarlet Witch Hero Pack adds Wanda Maximoff to games uh, to the games of Marvel Champions. 
Her deck focuses on the justice aspect, uh, but also comes with various cards for the other aspects of the game. The deck comes ready to play as a 40-card pre-constructed deck, or pre-con, as some folks in the know would say, uh, that will retain for $14.95. So this is basically like the other packs, like um, the the Wrecking Crew pack and the... uh, uh, Miss Marvel pack and other packs that they've done, you know, after the uh, after the game came out. But there's also going to be a game mat which will retail retail for 19.95, and you can see a picture of the game mats uh, in the article uh, attached. Next up, next up, finally the journalism action figure some people always wanted. Um, Hasbro announced the latest edition. Uh, to its retro line of Spider-Man Marvel Legends action figures bringing classic takes on beloved heroes and villains from uh, Spider-Man's world. Um, this is um, uh, a J. Jonah Jameson uh, Marvel legend. Um, it's uh, clad in uh, uh, earth tones and a white shirt. Um, he's got rolled up uh, uh, he's got a rolled up daily bugle and a flat daily bugle. It's pretty cool. Um, we have seen a J. Jonah Jameson head on a chameleon, um, as a, as a variant head on a chameleon, uh, Marvel legend from several years back now. And that's actually getting uh, super hard to find, which explains why they wanted to put out this retro, um, J. Jonah Jameson for people to get their hands on. Um, you know, I finally, you know, what's funny is that I finally figured out after, uh, you know, several years of collecting now that a lot of these new figures are produced to appeal to the action figure photography folks. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not for, you know, and, and definitely for collectors too. Don't get me wrong because there are people who are asking for, um, who are asking for these characters to complete their collections, but for characters like this that aren't necessarily of the, uh, of the superhero ilk, um, a lot of these characters are definitely produced um, because um, they would look cool in dioramas. So, and I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not, um, I'm not against that. But I, right. you know, when it comes to when it comes to the figures that get produced, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize there was demand for this. But then I think, oh, there's probably people saying this would look cool in a diorama. I feel like that's, I mean, you are definitely right, but I also feel like that that's kind of a, a, a side effect of things because I don't think the, the actual photography market is that big enough to kind of derive it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, you're definitely right it, that it does appeal to those. I feel, you know, I feel like you're right in that and you, you're, you know, that it does appeal to those people as well as just the collectors just in general. Right. Um, but worth noting, I think we have, we definitely have talked about this retro line in the, in recent uh, episodes of the show. So this is just another in that line with the whole, you know, 90 Spider-Man treatment for the, for the corporate backing and whatnot. Right. I've got all of them except for, um, whatchamacallit. I did not get a chance to, uh, jump on the pre-order for this. I caught the news a little bit too late, mm-hmm. but I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to pick it up, um, through some channel entertainment earth or whatnot. I actually did just get, um, I already uh, uh, took it out of the box and, and, and uh, I'm prepping it for a Sinister Six display that I'm going to put up within the next week or so. The This is the Mysterio from... Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, Let me give you the close-up shot. And boop. There we go. 
This is the Mysterio. I've taken the cape and the uh, the fishbowl head off, and this is actually the head that's underneath, uh, this translucent head um, for Mysterio. But this is the Mysterio from the retro Spider-Man Marvel Legends wave. Um, it's pretty cool. The color uh, scheme for his costume is much more consistent with what we're used to seeing with the gold boots and the gold uh, gauntlets and the gold um, the gold gloves. So um, it's uh, you know it's much more consistent with what we're used to seeing. So um, you know it, it's definitely a, a a pretty clear repaint of a, a Mysterio we got within the last couple of years. But it's still pretty cool to get, and um, this will be going up in a Sinister Six versus Spidey. Um, you know, speaking of dioramas, you know, a little diorama I'm going to put on my shelf back here. Um, you know, like I said, within the next two weeks. But um, but yeah, I'm probably going to pick up this J. Jonah Jameson as well, simply because it's kind of cool to have um, the figure up there on your shelf. You know, and you can just imagine him imagine him yelling out, "Parker!" So. True. And I was going to save, you know, I still am going to, because I got a little show and tell of my own now that you say that, but um, uh, but I'll wait till when we finish the news so we can go ahead and sure. wrap it up. It just came up, I was about to say, because it literally tied into this particular uh, news piece. Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving right along as I switch back over. Um, speaking of figures, though, Sideshow puts a premium on the Mandalorian's Moff Gideon. Uh, so yeah, sideshows. Uh, I keep wanting to say sideshow Bob, and that's totally not right. Um, <laughs> uh, Giancarlo Esposito is one of those extras who's just great at anything. But yada yada yada. Sideshow Collectibles is putting out a Moff Gideon premium uh, premium figure. You can see him right here if you're watching the the uh, video. It's got the dark saber, which for anything else, uh, is probably partially worth getting this figure for depending on the scale but hey, it's just a nice looking figure of um of uh Giancarlo Esposito as uh, Goth- da- uh Moff Gideon and it is going good to be does it really say not does it really not say how much it is oh right because I do remember saying yeah uh because I don't I think they was it was teased on Sideshow's collectible site, but I don't think they gave as okay. You're doing that, huh? Um, yeah, I don't think the price was even given given then. But I'm just going to the site real quick to see if there's actually a price. Yeah, it just says sign up for the the waiting list for it. So, tis no price yet, but I guess we'll find out when uh, they they give it to us. Next up. Next up, um, this is spoilers for this week's Avengers issue. Yeah, um, kind of good went over it already, but exactly we discussed it. But also, I'll just read the headline: Avengers Marvel reveals who the team's greatest villain may really be. I'll, I'll adjust it. In that <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I read that in that exact same way too. <laughs> so. I you know that's just my my own editorializing on their headline, but yeah. Uh, circle back to our discussion on this week's issue of Avengers. Uh-huh. Fast Station Four take an old fashioned family vacation and road trip number one first look. So yeah, this is uh, we've talked about this uh, this. Um, I think can't remember if it was a one shot. It is a one shot by Christopher Cantwell of uh, not the again not the white supremacist, but the. Uh, Halt and Catch Fire guy, and also Doctor. We should just call him comic book writer Christopher Cantwell. I know, and probably that will happen, but I don't know if he's well because he's 
because I think he's still doing television stuff, though. So I don't know if that's yes, that he did. so. Um, so comic and television writer. <laughs> but yes, he's doing Doctor Doom and actually uh, and uh, Iron Man right now. So he's pretty much got the armored uh, hero slash villain section of the Marvel Universe at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's going to be a Machine Man coming. We don't know. No, I'm just kidding. That's don't, don't, we don't really need that. Um, and hopefully, uh, Agent Seven on a side note has or will read next wave. But anyway, um, this is basically articles that is a pre has some preview pages for Fantastic Four Road Trip number one, which is coming December the second. And if the name itself doesn't tell you what what's kind of the um, the conceit here, I don't know what to tell you. Next All up. Right. Next up, in a host of announcements related to King and Black, because um, it's only a matter of time before uh, Null <clears throat> sets its sights on Black Panther's Nation of Wakanda, hmm. an upcoming February 2021 one-shot uh, titled King and Black, Black Panther will examine how T'Challa balances his duties leading the Avengers against protecting his people against the god of symbiotes, all while utilizing some advanced Wakandan weapons. Okay. So I, 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 you know, in deference to the writer, because we loved him, um, I, I had a weird issue with the with the uh, headline <laughs> because I was like, usually any upgrades that T'Challa gets is an, uh, a Wakandan upgrade, so that was a little redundant, but to me, but you know, yeah, but there might be something in the preview. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Like I said, there's probably more to it than than, than just that. But I know. But it's like, like I said, just me, my initial reading of that headline was like, huh, um, what? Yeah. So. Shout out to Tim Dog ninety eight. Yeah, always, always. Anyway, uh, next up, the King in Black adds Captain America, Hulkling, Wiccan to the mix. Because Lord have mercy, we don't need any more tie-ins. Uh, but apparently. Uh, there's two more Titans being uh, put into this crossover, which I'm more and more hating uh, by the moment. Uh, anyway, first off, from writer Tini Howard and artist uh, Luciano Vecchio comes King and Black, Wiccan and Hulkling, uh, a one-shot that sends the newly married Young Avengers to the Shi'ar Empire for their honeymoon until their holiday is interrupted by Null and his symbiotic forces. And if you're saying to yourself, well, wait, why would Null be on his, out in space when he's focused on Earth? Well, that's not true. And all of this started off in space with Silver Surfer Black, plus the most recent uh, episode uh, issue, excuse me, of Guardians of the Galaxy kind of expounded on Null's reach much to my chagrin. Right. I would also add there was a, a book out this week called uh, Empires. I think it was King and Black Empire's End. Mm. Something like that. Oh, Web just... of Venom. Is that Web of Venom? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 That's what it was. That's, yes, I mean, yes. I skimmed it. Yeah. Web of Venom Empire's End. Yes. And um, this was, you know, it's a, it's a logical con- it's a it's a logical continuation of the Null story because, you know, they st- they're starting out at point A. They have to, you know. They they kind of you don't have to chronicle the the voyage from point A to point B, but that's essentially what is happening here. Um, so we get uh, some of the players that we've seen that we saw a few of the players that we saw in Empire um, interact with the um, the wave of symbiotes uh, as they head from one outlying 
uh, alien planet to another. You know, on their way to Earth, really. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, wait, there is also another one with uh, the aforementioned Captain America, which is Captain America, excuse me, King of Black Captain America number one, which is out in February, and that King of Black Wiccan and Hulkling is due out in March. So, yeah. All right, next up. Meanwhile, oh. Outlaw, by the way, still hasn't quote unquote finished, and there's still, yeah stuff up in the air from other events yeah you know i mean it's i don't know what to say about it anymore because you know we obviously know the reason for it yep whether or not we agree with how they're coping with it and how they're adjusting their publishing schedule to it is another story yeah that's really what it comes down to you know it's hard to it's hard to complain about it because we know it's got to be tough something like this would throw anybody's publishing schedule out the window but it's it, it's tough to kind of see all this stuff and try and you know and 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 the coordination or lack thereof is is just kind of tough to deal with but obviously we're a little more affected by it because we read so much more than maybe some of the the you know people who kind of stick to their corner of the marvel universe right i don't know i figure i figure even you know with knowledge of public stuff is still kind of easier like yeah, it doesn't make it right. Granted, because yeah, everything you just said is definitely in effect. But also, mm-hmm. when you have, and I, I know this is, this is not necessarily that effect about it because of when it started out. But you know, the X stuff seems to be going on, uh, um, going on unabated. But yeah, that started at a different time than some of this other stuff. So you know, you have to definitely do have to take that into account. But I feel like the reshuffling still could have worked for these other events. You know. I feel like it, it kind of it, it speaks to the um, you know it, it speaks it speaks to how they feel about these uh, events. I was about to say I think it speaks more to marketing because they want to tie things in with the big events. But well, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it speaks more to to that than you know their their um, how they feel about the well and in in some ways how they feel about you know certain things and certain books and certain other events then yeah, they how they tie in, you know and and, and I, we all understand that that's what they want to do they want to tie in some of these books that uh could use a boost into big events to give it more exposure so right. you know we understand don't necessarily agree so yeah. so that, there is um, that any event, next up uh, next up new fan art puts a retro spin on star lords guardians of the galaxy middle finger scene um Artist John Black put a retro twist on the classic middle finger scene. Black draws Peter Quill in a, in a style similar to an old comics panel. However, um, the artist puts Peter Quill in a blue and white costume rather than the more casual outfit he wore in the live action sequence. Um, you know, it's just like a cool little uh, retro looking um, comic art panel. Yeah, it's not bad done. Not, not badly done. You know, artistic license. Um, some of this is a little late, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Comicsology sales, a huge Justice League sale, Star Wars, uh, TMNT, and U.S. Agent, uh, I guess, Avengers West Coast, uh, Avengers, have been going on on Comicsology, and a lot of them end today as of this recording on the 5th. Well, yesterday, because it just passed midnight, Mm -hmm. but, um... But I think there is some some stuff that is still on sale. 
uh, throughout the ninth. So basically, check Comicsology. There might be some stuff on sale that you might want to check out. Uh, there's some stuff here that was on sale from Justice League, uh, Injustice, uh, some Captain America stuff. Obviously, you know the the, the U.S. agent stuff. Uh, a lot of that kind of ended today, but uh, there's some let's see, there's some Star Wars stuff that's still on sale until the twelfth. Uh, there's, uh, I think there was something that's supposed to end it off uh, that ends on the ninth, uh, in here, but regardless, it is, it was what it is. Oh, Justice League Task Force, but I think that was, yeah, that, there we go. Justice League Task Force, which is also uh, a priest, uh, written book. Um, there's a sale on that stuff from until the ninth, if you are so interested. Next up. Oh, this is kind of up my alley. Um, <laughs> Vault Comics' new hit series, Giga, is a mecha lover's dream. It's a subtle homage to stories like Neon, Genesis, Evangelion, and Transformers, plus an expansive world-building, time-traveling storyline with a murder mystery to boot, all make for an exciting first issue out this week. i got to see if I can pick this up. Do we have it? I don't think we do. No, because we don't have any Vault Comics stuff, because there was a couple of, another right. Vault Comics uh thing i was that came out this weekend i was gonna look for yeah this one also kind of uh i you know me also being a, a fan of giant mix which also they noticed they didn't um mention gundam which the the uh you know i was about to say the art i, I looked at the web page that you know the story uh care of uh, uh sifi or sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, shout out to the blurred girl by the way she's doing she's doing big things um, yeah that's a that's a that looks like a gundam at the top of this page yep so the fact that the so I'm not gonna fossil for for you know evoking uh, uh, Eva but you know, in Transformers but you know hey you know, the, the the Gundam thing is like right there so regardless uh, but yeah this seems interesting uh, this is an article basically this is an article with the art with the artist uh, excuse me with the uh, writer of Giga uh, and this also goes into some of the story according to this the first five pages are kind of full of what's going on so yeah I will probably be trying to grab a copy and checking this out myself because it seems kind of interesting and definitely sounds very Gundam anime <laughs> definitely and it's that's that's an anime that's on my list I've made yes. my way through and I admit that um, because oftentimes I uh, I've been watching uh, anime while I was doing my Inktober stuff I was listening to the American the English dub because it's easier to follow mm. you don't have to be focused on subtitles Sure. So, but I know that the dub is what a lot of people watched when it came out on Cartoon Network. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not the it's not one of those uh, anime that people are just like, no, you can't watch the dub. You have to watch the subtitle. Oh, there are some people like that, but yeah, yeah. With the guns, with some Gundam stuff, yeah, people are less crazy about that stuff. And I mean, the dub's not bad as opposed to uh, older stuff, you know. So yeah, the dub's all right. So that's so, pretty cool. I, I, I've watched I've watched uh, several episodes of the first season. So wait, did you get through Wing? Uh, what's that? Did you get through Wing? No, I'm still working. You're still on working it. it. Okay. So yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of episodes. I've only gotten through like, maybe right. ten episodes of the first season. Hmm. So you're basically still on Earth. Gotcha. Um. <laughs> I was yeah. about to say I'm still very confused by the fact that these are uh, little kids. Spoiler alert. But these are basically young kids um, with these cool machines. I'm just like, like fine, fine. A, a 20, 30 you know, year old anime. child soldiers. What's that? Uh, you know what? You will come to find that there's a lot of that in anime, much less Gundam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
if you're shocked by that now, you won't be by the end. By, by, oh, I know. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just odd to be like, wow, there's a lot of pigeons running around here. And, uh, mm. you know, obviously, you know, even if you go back to something like Akira, these all these are, you know, really young characters who are protagonists mm-hmm. and antagonists. Totally. And, and supporting characters in, um, in a lot of these um, uh, anime and even manga and related manga. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm like, wow, these are, you know, it's up with these little bratty kids, man. Yeah. So yeah. Like I said, that, that is a, that is a whole thing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but like I said, we will probably try to check out, we'll, um, maybe next week if we, if we got a chance to check this out some kind of way, then we'll give some afterthoughts on what we, you know, or I'm well, sure it's, you know, yeah. on this thing. Next up though, uh, image comics to publish, uh, Merca and Dolfo's sweet paprika. Uh, comic book writer artist Mirka Andolfo, known for her work on Mercy, has landed another Image Comics title. Per an official announcement from uh, Image, Andolfo will write and illustrate a comic book based series based on her IP, Sweet Paprika. Uh, the characters of which have been a mainstay of her social media feed for some time. Um, editing, hello. Uh, additionally, Sweet Paprika has always already landed an animated series at... Um, Arang, Arancia, Arancia, my apologies, Studios, and Grey Ladder Productions with Love, Death, and Robots, uh, Gabriel Penacolio attached as an executive producer. So if you've watched Love, Death, and Robots, and I've seen a couple of episodes of that, I can, if it's going to be in that same vein, then yeah, it's, it's going to look good at the very least. Um, Arancia will produce Andolfo's Sweet Paprika comic, which is slated to launch in July of 2021. The book was originally uh, announced by um, Adizioni Star Comics, which had me thinking of Marvel Star Comics, and I'm like, that, like I know good and well that imprint is no longer around, <laughs> which will mm-hmm. publish it in Adolf- an Adolfo's, Andolfo's home country of Italy. Image will publish uh, Sweet Paprika, Paprika in the United States uh, and uh, somebody else in France. Uh, so apparently it's called a sexy rom-com with reverse roles and stuff. So, but you can check that out at your leisure. You probably already know about it. Next up. Next up, these are spoilers for Power Rangers Dracon New Dawn number three. Um, it's on sale now. It was probably out last week. Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, uh, last week um, the story was published uh, like four days ago. So um, a famous Red Ranger just revealed himself to be an evil emissary of the Dark Spectre in Lord Dracon's home timeline. And uh, who? So. Yeah, like I said earlier with Mighty Morphin, there's a whole thing that's still kind of going on. And this, uh, I lost a thread. A while back, but maybe I'll catch up one of these days. Who know even knows? But next up, speaking of Power Rangers news, um, well, we kind of talked about this, so no, no, no need to really go through it. But Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, excuse me, Mighty Morphin reveals Zordon's secret past, and that is in reference of the uh, Mighty Morphin book uh, that came out this week that I talked about earlier. Uh, and yeah, there's some flashbacks of, like I said earlier, some some pre disembodied head Zordon doing some things. There you go. Next. Uh, Red Sonja is going to battle alongside heroes in a new comic book series. Dynamite Entertainment has announced Red Sonja, the superpowers, number one, the first issue of a new comic book series for release in 2021. 
Red Sonia has battled all types of monsters throughout her Hyborian adventures, but now she tests her skills against and alongside superheroes. Okay. Yeah, sounds familiar, huh? Like another Hyborian that is sided uh, um, <laughs> with some some superheroes from another company. Um, weird, huh? Um, what a kinky dink! I know, right? Huh? It, it it's always kind of. I mean, I know Dark Horse is kind of holding on to, you know, IP as much as they can. I was like, I was kind of wondering how come, I know it is his own thing, but it's still within the realm of Conan. Like, why didn't Marvel get Rassandra along with uh, mm-hmm. Conan? But I'm sure there's some, you know, it's like a Sony, Sony Marvel thing. I'm sure, like, not even worth getting into or care about, but it is what it is. Nevertheless, next up, uh, in a world in a world where speech is banned, one woman speaks out in Lattice Society. I don't know. I was trying to go somewhere with that. Didn't work. Anyway, during this pivotal time in his world history, a new creator-owned comic series called The Lattice Society imagines a future where all speech is banned by the U.S. government, but one woman dares to speak. Uh, the year is 2064. Due to a rise in hate crimes and violence, the American people have voted to abolish words. Censorship in language seemed like the only way to combat many of the issues that surfaced. Or you can ban guns and give everybody microwave, uh, microphones to, to settle beefs, as in this one uh, anime that I've recently watched. Anyway, um... Let's see, reads the description of the series. So from rampant racism, online trolling and death threats to gender pronouns, Islamophobia and government accountability, our society sought an opposite extreme. This is what they wanted to believe. And the writer Ellie Moskowitz and artist uh, Mirko Ladic intend the latter society to be a parable for the present time. Pretty much sounds like ripped from the headlines. And a warning of for uh, how things could turn. So, yeah. It says, uh, now more than ever, we need to know the path of our, that our world is taking, says Moskowitz. Uh, Moskowitz, the latter society, shows one path, expanding the limits of the comic genre and challenging the, the ability for society to communicate without words. Uh, the book will be a wordless comic book series and will be released simultaneously in comic book form as well as animated motion comic video. And of one of which you can check out uh, at the bottom of this article. So that's kind of ambitious. Like we've had, you know, silent issues before uh, for Thunder, notably G.I. Joe, uh, I believe Batman has had a couple one, you know, I believe. Wait, isn't that the whole question of Hush? I don't remember. Or, no, but um, I think they've done silent issues, you know, you know, in uh, in other books, obviously. Sure. Um, that uh, that Snake Eyes, the the first appearance of Storm Shadow, right? You know, is uh is the uh, the uh, what you call it the uh, the progenitor of all of them, right? So this is going to be the first time that this is going to be a, a fully wordless or presumably fully worded wordless rather comic book series, which kind of interesting premise, if not a little close to home, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I was about to say talk about um. You know, I was about to say, and talk about uh, putting the onus on the artist for uh, for storytelling purposes, right? I know, right? This will this will definitely be. Um, um, we'll see how that works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, you can't though. just focus on big splash pages. No, no, and yeah, there's got to be a particular way you're going to end up doing this. So, 
Yeah, All right, so. next up, uh, comic books for kids, a charitable organization formed to provide free child-friendly comics and graphic novels to kids in hospitals, cancer centers, and medical facilities across the U.S. is expanding its focus to include members of the military in addition to kids, the organization announced. Through Comic Books for Troops, the charity will provide the military comics through partner organizations. This change will allow the organization to utilize donated comics not appropriate for younger readers. It's already started this initiative and has donated 7,000 comics to all branches of the military in the past 90 days. The organization has also begun a partnership with Funko and is shipping Funko toys to kids across the country. That's cool. That is. Um, last but not least, uh, Doctor Who confirms Merlin fan theory, and I'm sure Agent 70 is glad he didn't get the story. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. When I, when I saw that we had one more, I was like, what story? Oh. <laughs> uh, Doctor, I mean, seriously. Like, uh, he's, yes, uh, yes, Agent 70 being not so much of a Whovian fan. Maybe we'll get him there, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Doctor Who has finally explained the true origin of Merlin, an alternate reality version of the Doctor himself, uh, which ties back to the era of Sylvester McCoy's Doctor. The longest-running TV series in the world, the secret of Doctor Who's success is the time travel travel con- uh, concept. That means it can reinvent itself in practically any way and pretty much kind of has all... Uh, in the case of the Seventh Doctor story, Battlefield, which I feel like I remember watching at some point in time, uh, which released in 1989, it actually dove into sword and sor- sorcery. Uh, Battlefield was inspired by the legends of Camelot and King Arthur, and it revealed that the Doctor was actually Merlin. Uh, quote unquote, he, oh, he has many faces, but in my reckoning, he is Merlin, one Arthurian warrior uh, Anselin observed. Do you not ride the ship of time? Does it not deceive the senses being larger within than without? Which is uh, pretty much a long-running Doctor Who thing. Um, matters were pretty much settled when the Doctor visited an archaeological an archaeological dig associated with King Arthur and was able to read the inscriptions. It's my handwriting, he explained simply. And ever since then, viewers has speculated how the Merlin Doctor can possibly fit into the timeline. Now the metal has been finally settled in a upcoming book. Or actually a book that just came out, I guess. The BBC has published a new fact book called The Monster Vault, containing information on both the new and classic Doctor Who monsters. One such deal with a demon briefly unleashed in Battlefield, the Destroyer, not to be confused with um, the one from Marvel. And it reveals the truth behind the Merlin Doctor at last. So there you go, Whovians. You got some more lore in the whole 80, 90 years, I'm exaggerating, of Doctor Who lore. <laughs> and that, folks, is the end of the uh, news. And actually, before, well, you know what? Let's get into the ads first, and then I'll do my, my show and sell. All right, last ad of the night is for Wink, because we need a drink. Lord knows. It's our personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. 
And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. Alrighty, real quick before we close this out, I got a little got a little toy corner or extended session on the toy corner because as Agent Seventy already knows, I got my Falcon. Oh, you mean this Falcon? Yes, that Falcon. Um Because of yeah. course I opened mine already. Yeah, and I haven't yet because well, this is not working, so you know what? Here you go. Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. Out. I was about to say with your with your virtual background, yeah, you're gonna that's have not going to work. I'm feel like turning it off. So yeah, so here you go, folks. Mm-hmm. There's the Falcon all boxed up, and as you can see, with uh, let me put a close up back on Agent Seven here real quick. There you go. There is the unopened. I mean, there's there's the opened uh, Falcon uh, wings spread looking. He's really kind nice. of fun. Really, He's kind of fun. It's like uh, I'm I'm I'm. I'm thinking about doing a little cap display with all of his um, um, erstwhile allies, um, okay. you know, including um, Falcon, Bucky, slash Winter Soldier, and Widow, and uh, Agent 13, Sharon Carter, hmm. um, that we've been in Marvel Legends form. Nice. So uh, I'm definitely, you know, there's a reason why I didn't put them into, not cold storage, I didn't even, you know, uh, you know I was just kind of having some fun uh, playing with his wings. You know, it's just cool. I mean, obviously these are based off of the uh, the vulture wings, but um, you know, it's the same concept. But uh, I really like the execution of this. I'm really annoyed that we did not get a red wing. Um, yeah, that's the with this talking. That would have been a nice addition. Yeah, it makes so. me think maybe I need to go find a fal- you know like uh, what is it those hobby stores like um like like Michaels and stuff those craft stores they have like those little um. Yeah plastic figures of animals, you know, that people use for um, dioramas and such or, right. or like model train sets and stuff. I'm like, maybe I just need to go find a Falcon and, you know, or go to like a dollar store and look for one of those little Falcon, you know, like plastic toys. Or you could put a bird on it, like uh, like you said in Portlandia. <laughs> oh, no. I, I was about to say that that uh, that reference went over my head, but okay. Oh, you know what, Portlandia? I think you would no, like it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I mean, unless you don't like Fred Armisen, but that's a whole nother situation. Um, yeah, say, uh, but also, um, and I think it's, it's, it's also got this one, uh, but oh, yeah, it's the Jocasta, Jocasta, yes, and also, this, this, both of these come from the Joe Fixit Build a Figure, which, um, had me for like five seconds thinking, should I get the rest of the season to Joe Fixit? And the answer ended up being no, but still. It's the video game Joe Fix It. That's why I said nay. I mean, it's, it's still because I wanted the comic book Joe Fix It. Like, I mean, it still kind of is can... though, because there is a Joe Fix It comic wise in his suit. I know, but you know, I, know. I get it just it. doesn't look like the Joe Fix It. You know that I would identify as Joe Fix It. So <laughs> because it's a comic book based, I mean, a video game based. I'm just like, nah. I mean, we'll see. Listen, Marvel Legends is churning out all sorts of cool stuff, so you never know. They might very well get around to it. Yeah, and 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 I'm sure there are a lot of people who are like, who the hell is Jocasta? You know, because she did she she's not been in the the MCU, which is kind of the same. If they had gone that whole uh, Ultron right in the proper uh, 
Ultron way in the proper way. But right. um, that's neither here nor there. Ultron is pretty much, I mean, excuse me, uh, Jocasta is pretty much the bride of Ultron. Ultron made her uh, off the brain patterns of Janet Van Dyne and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been interesting to see if they had done, because the thing is, they needed to squeeze in both the origin of Vision, mm-hmm. right, which worked. You know, I mean, it didn't. I didn't like the 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 background of it. I liked right. the execution of it because it felt very much like it was true to the comic book spirit, yeah. not true to the story, but true to the spirit. Right. Right. Um, and um, plus, we got egg hanging in there, and they did nothing with that. <laughs> right. Right. So, but you know, but ultimately, uh, it would have been interesting to see how they would have given jocasta an mcu origin you know whose brainwaves they would have maybe be uh based her on you know given that there is a lack of female heroes you know um uh at that point in the generation you know in the story of the mcu Mm -hmm. so it'd be it would have been interesting to see but yeah no think about uh, it age of ultron probably would have could have set that up because he was because he did have that whole thing with uh whole scene and whatnot with because he had taken her hostage, so I wouldn't be surprised if he had. Oh, been, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that could have been something that would have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to yeah. say um, just uh, very quickly, Iron Man twenty twenty had Jocasta in it, and Iron Man the last part of Slots Run had Jocasta in it too. Right. Yeah. So she could. So, yeah. So that was the thing. Comic wise, she hasn't she hasn't done a whole lot outside of what was just mentioned, and even back uh, classically in the Avengers where she was showing up a lot, they kind of put her off i mean they, mm-hmm. they didn't do a whole lot with her in fact to kind of just she was table dressing in a lot of ways which led her to, to run off at one point uh individuals run uh right. but i liked uh jacosta they there could have been more that could have been d- done with her uh and i'm pretty sure they killed her a couple of different times but that's a and i'm also kind of surprised if i'm not mistaken they did not use her in avengers ai which i'm thinking that's probably a good reason for that i don't know or she might have been referenced there. I don't remember, but that was that was like 2011 or so. I don't know. That's a long time ago. Regardless, yeah. those are the figures. Um, did you get a Kang? I did not get a Kang. I was oh, still thinking I about it. I was about it. to say, I put my Kang away already. So, um, But yeah, no, the Kang is actually a pretty cool figure. Yeah. Um, See, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what kind of what prompted me to kind of like, there's a couple of these I actually might want to get. So... Right. Um, I mean, you're more of a fan of the video game stuff than I am, so you might actually appreciate the Iron Man and the Cap. So... No, I mean... No. Or you could find someone that might want to buy it off you. That's that's another way to look at it. You know, I always... uh, I'm always reminded of what William Bruce West... Shout out to William Bruce West tells me um, every time I complain about having to buy figures I don't like. He's like, just sell them. I'm like, oh, but that means I got to worry about shipping them and crap like that online. Well, see, but, you know, there's, yeah, I was about to say, see, the problem with that is like, if you're him and used to selling stuff, that's great and that's easy. Not for us. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. What I was going to say is there is a market, obviously, you're not going to get as much money because it's much like selling your comic books to a comic book store. There are stores that buy and sell loose figures. So there is a market. You're just not going to get the money that you're maybe expecting for your stuff. So, um, but you know, there is a way to do it uh, that may be a little bit less of a hassle than having to ship stuff out on your own. Amazon, but, but you still have to send it to them. So, no, no, no. I'm talking about 
Oh, you, oh, you mean oh, in addition to like going on right. like eBay or Kari, I right. gotcha. Right. Like that is another Got way, but. Right. So, but, uh, you know, but in any event, yeah, no, that's pretty cool that you got that. Congratulations. I'm glad you got that Falcon. Um, and I'm glad you got the Jocasta. Yes. Um, I definitely have um, an updated list of displays. Like I said, I, I, I added the cap and his allies to uh, a little display, uh, to a list of displays I want to put up because now with Falcon, it makes it that much better. Right. I mean, the obvious Captain America and Falcon issue, uh, probably issue one, I would imagine, would also you know, work. Or was it issue one? Yeah, it probably was. Because, you know, there wasn't a, a Captain Falcon book. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they, they retitled the Captain America book to, 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 to make Captain America and Falcon in the 70s. Right. Um, but, um, and there was one in the, I believe, in the 90s. I don't I'm know if it was it. after 2000 or not, but um, I think it was the late 90s. Yeah, it looks like there's a priest one. Mm-hmm. From I'm guessing it's the 90s. I can't really tell. I want to say it's the late 90s. It could have been the early, early 2000s. Hmm. Uh, I do remember that. It says tw- oh 2004 for this one. There it is. The early 2000s. Yeah, and that's issue three. I'm looking at, but yeah, this is 2004 mm-hmm. for that one. And of course, yeah, yeah like you said, the sense. 70s one. Yep. yep and actually, yep. I honestly didn't know about that one, so I might have to go and really? check that out. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I mean, I read I read some issues here and there, so it's it, it wasn't bad. Mm. And again, it's priest, so you know I'm kind of down for that. Mm. So, but regardless, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is that. Uh, and we're going to end this here. I don't remember that one either. Oh yes, I do. Anyway, sorry, I'm looking uh, coverage. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you hope that it's all on Marvel Unlimited. I would like to believe that that should be. If it's not, there's a real big problem, and especially with um, um, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier coming out. Like that'd be right. crazy not to have that out there. But yeah, I would definitely be checking that out after the show. Which means uh, we're going to end this show right now. Uh, thank you, each and every one of you folks, for coming out. This was a, a lengthy one. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, uh, not all of it is on there. Really? Yeah, it doesn't look unless there's only. 14 issues to it, which is... That actually might be the case, though. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the case. If it is only 14 issues, then yeah. And honestly, for that time frame, time period, that probably sounds about right, honestly. Um, Mm. Which is a sad thing to say, but it is what it is. So... Well, this round... I was about to say, this is around disassemble time, too, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, yeah, that that, that disassembled um, cover is one I was looking at. So this definitely runs right into that. Mm-hmm. But hey, guess what? If you've got multiple uh, Marvel Unlimited, you can check that out for yourself. Um, and on that, and again, we're not being sponsored by Marvel Unlimited. If they want to, hey, I'm you know bring bring it on. But we get nothing. We're just saying it's a good service. It works. Uh, that being said, though, this is the end of Comic Book Chronicles. Thank you, each and every one of you, for coming out. We will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, I have been Roddy Cat. Uh, you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. And more likely, um, uh, bucking his way to have a spot on Binge Mode Podcast. So maybe find him on there sooner than rather than later. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh pcn underscore dirt on twitter pop culture net on twitter pop culture network.com and his umbrella site they're in also i still haven't figured out whether he's still doing that bite uh one of these days i'll ask him you know if i care enough to, to think about it but b-y-t-e bite the vine replacement under comic refuse no vowels uh tim d-o-g-g nine eight the osiris that is uh tim dog 98 on twitter um, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can, you know, send us some haze and highs and how you doing. And we love the shows there. If you so feel so inclined, we'll probably see it. Um, uh, also, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's D K L I Q N A T I O N. TheClickNation.com. And also, Comic Resources is over there, right? It's Face Off. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. US. I'm just reminding me of the toy from the 70s. And it's like every time I say that, and it's just, I need to, I got to stop it. Uh, but you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, um, or Apple Podcasts, if you prefer, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. There's probably a couple other podcast um, aggregate sites out there, but we don't we don't know and you know don't want to go all that far out to, to find those. Uh, you can find us here every Thursday night on the aforementioned uh, YouTube channel. Well, actually, I didn't mention the YouTube channel, but the YouTube channel of the D Click Nation. That is youtube.com slash dclicknation spelled the same way as did earlier you can also find us on twitch which by the, hello to everyone and thank you for the new follows on twitch that we got uh twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles you can follow us over there where you know we stream the show um every thursday night 9 30 ish p.m uh and hopefully we'll get some other stuff going on that channel too i could think about playing some spider-man on there one of these days uh, but I don't know if anybody wants to see my terrible Spider-Man playing. Oh, no. <laughs> Especially since I hadn't played in a good while. Um, but that being said, folks, again, we'll be back next week. We'll see y'all then. More news, more stuff. Uh, wait, what's next week? Yeah, okay. Hopefully we'll have a president by that time. No. Nah. <laughs> Let them count all the votes, please. Yes, and hopefully it goes the way we've, we've, we would like it to go and not the way it's been. But that's a whole other situation. Uh, pray for this world. Anyway, this has been The Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One.